This is George Jadowick with the Illinois Giant Pumpkin Growers Association. You are listening to Q4 Radio in Chicago. The Mike Novak Show starts three, two, one. Hi. Hi. Dad, Joe, he's the Hi, grower. Uh, well, she's the grower. Yeah, she, yeah, well, that's why I have to ask for who grew, who grew the pumpkin. I did. You did. And what's your name? Karina Adkins. And where do you live? Uh, Wheaton, Illinois. And how many uh, times have you grown giant pumpkins? Uh, this is my second. Your second? What did your first one weigh? Uh, 355 pounds. 355 pounds, and this one weighed? Uh, one, 1072. 1072. How did you do that? Magic. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course it's magic, but there's something else besides magic, right? Yeah. So how do you have to go out there every day and look at your pumpkin? Yeah. Yeah. When when did you think it was going to be a really good one? Um, I'm not sure. Uh-huh. Like early on, huh? Early on. It grew pretty big. It was yeah. a nice round football or football shape. And by the way, mom and dad, and this is mom. Hi, Sarah Adkins. Joe Adkins. Is there much you can do? I mean, do you have? You probably didn't have to water a whole lot this year, did you? About how you keep it covered and all that stuff. Oh, so um, every morning we like um, uncover pumpkins and we put like sheets on it to like protect it from like the sun and animals. And there's also like a tent that we have to like take on and off. And they gave you a trophy because uh, you were the first pumpkin here today over a thousand pounds, right? right. Yeah. What are, you, what are you gonna do with the trophy? Put it in my room. <laughs> I sure hope so. Well, congratulations to you. Wonderful job. Thank you. Live from the Genesis Art Supply Building on North Elston Avenue, just this side of the concrete encrusted banks of the north branch of the Chicago River, it's the Mike Novak Show, still Chicago's only locally broadcast deep green gardening and environment program, heard every Sunday on Q4 Radio and at MikeNovak.net. Good planets hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. And true currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. Not the most interesting man in the world, but he does stay thirsty. Here he is, Mike Novak. What? It's a lie. It's, it's all lies. All right, stand by. One, One more, more time. time. Okay. How y'all doing? That sounds, is that low? Now it's high. Now it's low. Now it's high. <laughs> Now it's low. Okay. I had a, a little low, but these headsets are like uh, falling apart. So uh, It's an audio roller coaster, though. It, 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 every week is an audio roller coaster here at Pirate Radio. Arr, Pirate Radio. And the guy who, who, who appreciates this pretty much more than anybody is actually sitting in the studio right now with us. Um, and that he is one of our special guests today, and I'm very pleased to have uh, Ron Cowgill here. In a, you can you can actually uh, 
say hello if you want there, Mr. Ron. Okay. Oh, wait. He, he's like on the other side of this forest of greenery. Yes. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Because uh, the way I don't understand the way the mics are numbered here either. Uh, they're, as long as they're backwards, I could run the board then. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. If, uh, if they were correct and, and made sense, I wouldn't be able to do it. That is Ron Colligill from Mighty House. Give him a beer ding. Hey. Mighty, Mighty House uh, Foam Entertainment Radio. Um, yeah. Insulation Entertainment Radio. Sure, all that stuff. Uh, plumbing Entertainment Radio. <laughs> sparky Radio. Spark- oh, Sparky Spark- Radio. There oh, you yeah, go. Definitely Sparky Radio. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, actually, uh, the I, I always I never remember the full name. It you guys call it Home Improvement Radio. Correct. I, I just think of it as Mighty House. It's just Mighty House. Correct. Yeah. But the, the Home Improvement part, you know, defines it just a little bit more. Yeah. So uh, and he's. He, I'm going to try to get him to talk a little bit about green home improvement here, but that's not really the reason he's here. No. The reason he's here is what's sitting in front of him. It's your fault. It's, uh, <laughs> it's always Mike's fault. Uh, I thought I was going to just do this little good deed because you had to propagate these, these Marshall strawberry right. things. So, you know, I was going to help you out. You know, they were almost extinct. They were almost gone. So... I'll help Mike out. I'll put one in my little garden area, not knowing that it would invade the entire <laughs> yard and parking lot. It's it's growing through gravel parking lots. We have five pots of Marshall straw. No, six. Yeah. In the studio. That's and that's just to start. Yes. Okay. And here's the deal with the Marshall strawberries. So right, what? Well, we'll we'll explain the story, but. I want to give them away to listeners. I'm not sure what the arrangements will be, but if you're interested in a Marshall strawberry plant, and it's um, James Beard was the one who said it was the best berry in America, maybe the world. I don't, uh, I don't know if you've had any of them. Oh, know, yeah, the, oh, yeah. yeah. The, the, the field mice and chipmunks get most of them <laughs> uh, when, when, uh, when they come in. But, you know, most strawberries, are they have like this tart yeah, right, right, right. These don't have that. It, it, they're really a sweet berry. I yeah, mean, that's they're not huge either, but you know, it's a it's a nice sized berry, and they're, they're really sweet. Yeah. So and, we're uh, we're I'm going to attempt to give away some of these plants that were overrunning Ron Cowgill's <laughs> yard, um, and uh, give them a good home. I'm like I said, I'm not sure how that is all going to play out, and how we will what what kind of arrangements we'll make, but we'll we'll do something. And how we would ship them. Yes. I you know there's going to be no be shipping. Local. There will local, be no local. there will be no shipping. I can tell you that that whatever happens. <laughs> no, I've been I, I I have a hard enough time just getting a book out in the mail, okay? Uh-huh. Let alone a plant, a live plant. I'm not set up for no. live plants. So if you're on the left coast or the right coast and you You're not going to get a Marshall strawberry plant. Or you're plant. coming here. But if you're in the, you know, in Chicago area, we could probably arrange some kind of drop off. That's that's what I'm thinking. Well, I was talking with Robbie about this and she was the one that pointed out I, I put $500 worth of plants on your front porch. <laughs> and they're still sitting there. Nobody's stolen them because nobody knows that the Marshall strawberry is so valuable. Right, because when I was talking to her, then she started Googling it, finding out that they, they sell for 30 bucks a piece, mm-hmm. and then they're shipping, and da-da-da-da, and then if you buy three, you get a discount, but it's 100 and something. So all yeah, of a sudden, like... she said, wait a minute, you know, dollar signs are flashing in her eyes. 
She's she's threatening to come dig them all up and then sell them in the parking lot next Saturday. And Robbie, uh, for those people who have not listened to Mighty House Home Improvement Radio yes. on um, some other station, it's some other station, the Progresso Radio, yeah, like the Soup. Uh-huh. Um, she is uh, one of your partners in crime on, yes. on the show. Yes. And of course, the other one is Rich Calgill, which is really weird because you guys are not related. No. Ron, not even cousins, second cousins, third cousins. It's just bizarre. Yes. I'm sorry. It's just one of those bizarre things. Anyway, so we're going to talk more about this, um, but Ron is here in the studio. But we're going to start with our friends from the Illinois Giant Pumpkin Growers Association because yesterday (laughs) I spent a good part of the afternoon watching pumpkins get weighed out in Lockport at uh, Siegel's Cottonwood Farm in Lockport, Illinois. They had to have had heavy equipment out there. Oh, yes. To play with. It was interesting because, well, I'll ask them. They'll explain it. I know George. uh, George Janowick is one of the people we're going to talk to. I've had him on the show many times. Uh, And Greg Slifka. And I met Greg yesterday. I'm not even going to tell you what he did. All I can, I will say he produced... A 1,468-pound pumpkin, which was not the winner, by the way. Wow. Yeah. That, that, was, it was, that was about 400 pounds lighter than the winner yesterday. And, but he did something amazing to grow it, and I'm not going to tell you what it was because I'll let him explain. Um, so they're going to be on the show in just a second. Um, in the second hour, Chris Mast, who is also known uh, – for his organization, Tree Guardians, is uh, going to be in studio. I've known Chris, and he's a tree advocate, uh, obviously. He's a certified arborist, and we're going to talk about a park on the south side of Chicago. There's a, there's a real name for it, but it's called Chicago Park. I like to call it Chicago Park Number 503 because... This is this that that sounds like big city stuff, doesn't it? It's like uh-huh. don't don't actually give the park a name. It's Chicago Park Number Five Hundred Three. It's like uh, as I say, and in, in, when I was interviewing them out there, when I went out to, to visit the park and talk to some of the folks in the area, and this is on the southeast side of Chicago. So again, it's like when you move from one part of that area to another, like in two blocks, you can see uh, the remnants of the steel days and stuff. Uh, for, for you know, people in what I like to say is people in Palatine have no idea what the southeast side of Chicago is like, and what those the the area those people live in, and, and the remnants of that industry of a hundred years of industry on the south side of Chicago. Uh, they have no idea. You've got to go and just see it because smokestacks rise up out of nowhere, and and big pits, uh, you know, that were mined and and. Uh, where the ore was brought in, there are these ore walls. Are you familiar with that at all? Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to show you a photo. I've got some. I, I should have put up an ore wall, uh, and I'll ask uh, uh, Chris. But Chris doesn't live down there. He got interested in it, but Karen Rotan does live there, and she's going to be in the studio too and talk about being on the south side. And this park, number 503, where until a few years ago there were there was this huge grove of perhaps – century-old cottonwood trees, speaking of Siegel's Cottonwood Farm, these cottonwood trees, and they clear-cut them. The city clear-cut these 100-year-old trees. And they, what did they put in place? Lawn. 
<laughs> no benches, no amenities, no fountains, no nothing. There's just lawn and some big bright lights at night. So it looks like a soccer field, except nobody plays soccer on it. There's nobody there. There's there's nothing. And a big fence around it. No, not even a fence around it. Or at it, least the photos show part of a fence. There, well, yeah. There's there's a little gate there, one of those wrought iron, but part for most of the thing, there's no fence at all, and it borders on South Lakeshore Drive, and it's, and and you just you're left scratching your head. So we'll we'll talk to them, <laughs> to Chris Mast, uh, Mast and uh, Karen Rotan uh, about why that happened. All right. All of that said, we finally get to where we want to be. I'm going to go back to the phones now uh, and make sure that our guests are there. George and Greg, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Yes. Good morning. Good morning to both of you guys. Um, gosh, it's been so long since I've seen you. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long day for you out there. You know, it, I paid the price, too. I was up quite late putting this show together last night, Okay. Because um, it's you know for me from the city it's a schlep to get over there to Lockport um, and uh, but it was a really cool event it uh, it was my first my first uh, giant pumpkin way off uh, and I had a terrific time and it was really fun and Greg you uh, told me and maybe George uh, you will agree with this that it was a pretty exciting one wasn't it. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was it a was, tremendous right. event. We had uh, Georgia to check me on the on the stats here, but I believe we saw the second and third largest pumpkins ever grown in Illinois get weighed. Um, a lot of people had a personal best. Uh, the the fruits are just amazing. Yeah, you know, I, I was kind of uh, interested in the reaction of the, the the growers. Nobody gets upset when you know because they don't. They have kind of a rough idea of what the pumpkin's going to weigh when they bring it in. Um, but I didn't see anybody get upset when it got weighed. Uh, usually, they're pretty happy that they did as well as they did. Uh, and 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 I guess the goal is obviously, obviously somebody would love to grow the the biggest pumpkin ever in Illinois. And last year that happened with Gene McMullen and his pumpkin was what twenty one. What do you remember, George? Uh, 2145. <laughs> 2145 pounds. That's a lot of squash. That really is. Um, and mostly what they're doing with that is digging in it for the seeds so that they can share the seeds and give them to the other pumpkin growers who can come back the next year. And there were a number of pumpkins there yesterday at Seagulls that were grown from seeds from Gene's pumpkin last year, right, George? Yeah, that's correct. Actually, the two biggest pumpkins, the two 1,800-pound-plus pumpkins, were grown from gene seed. Um, my pumpkin, which was the second biggest I've ever grown, was grown from one of gene seeds as well. What was uh, your, the, the, the big one for you, George? Uh, yeah, 11, was it 11, 1,199 and a half pounds, so just a half pound <laughs> short of 1,200. Give that man a ding. All right. <laughs> it's just so funny to hear these numbers. I mean, even uh, the, uh, the little girl, and you probably, I don't think you can hear it on your end, but I played uh, at the top of the show my interview, and I'm forgetting her first name now. Do you, is that popping into your head? Um, Karina, Karina. Karina. Karina Adkins. She's 11 years old, and she grew a pumpkin over 1,000 pounds, which is just 
Now, obviously, the family's involved in it, but that, w- that was one of the cooler parts of the day for me. Yeah, we, we posted a picture of her on Facebook yesterday. Yeah. Pumpkin. Yeah, I, I, I got a lot of pictures on Facebook of, of, of you folks. George, you got on there, and uh, Greg, you got on there. All right, now, Greg Slifka, you grew a pumpkin, as I mentioned earlier, that was 1,468 pounds. But I, but I've been teasing people at the beginning of the show, as you heard, because there's a secret, not about how you grew the pumpkin, but where you grew the pumpkin. Uh, do you, do you care That's to right. to divulge that, Greg? Well, Mike, uh, I'm I'm a community garden grower, and uh, the the unique thing about growing in community garden is uh, there are a lot of disadvantages. I, I consider myself the underdog of the pumpkin growing community. <laughs> um, the area I grow, you know, they have no electricity. Uh, we're not allowed to set up hoses to water. Uh, so there are a lot of things I can't do that most growers will do. Uh, a lot of growers will use heating cables to heat their soil in the spring to get an earlier start. Uh, they'll set up watering systems on timers or misters on timers to cool their plants and uh, reduce water loss on real hot days. The Most growers are isolated so they have a lot less in the way of disease pressure and insect pressure so there are a whole bunch of obstacles i have to overcome to stay competitive but i think i'm showing them that i can do that growing a 1468 pound pumpkin in a community garden is amazing one of the things you mentioned yesterday to me when we were talking was in a community garden you got all types of gardeners some who don't really pay much attention to insects and diseases uh, like Ron Calgio, who's raising his hand here in the in the studio. So you've got to worry about that as well. You don't have complete control over your environment. Yeah, I, I like to refer to them as weekend gardeners. Uh, if you ask me, gardening is really a full time job. <laughs> you, can't, you can't take time off because nature uh, nature's working twenty four hours a day, and things can get out of hand pretty quickly. So yeah, you have some people who are serious, but you know, there's a lot of people who get the idea that you put seeds in the ground, water them, and come back with a bushel basket in a couple months to harvest everything, and it just doesn't work that way. How long have you been growing giant pumpkins in the community garden? Well, this is my 19th season, and I think just the only time I grew them in my backyard would be the first year, so this is probably my 18th uh, season growing in community garden. Of, of giant pumpkins? Yes. Wow. And uh, what was the uh, previous uh, si- large size for you in, in the garden before this year? Uh, my, my previous personal best was 1,135 pounds, so I, I took a pretty good step up from that. Yeah, 300 pounds, yeah. Uh, that's, that's something. Um, yeah. And, uh, George, you and I have, have talked about this over the years. I got to interview Gene McMullen last year, uh, who grew the 21 21- 45 pumpkin and that's not the largest in the world by the way G, uh, or george do you know what the largest uh, in the world is i think the largest in the world is still 2323 uh, which yep. has grown um overseas i believe in uh i want to say belgium or somewhere there so there's a good chance though there's still rumors that that record may be broken this year you know everyone's hoping for a 2500 pound pumpkin to hit the scales this year somewhere so that's you know, we're going to see what happens here. There's a couple more weeks of way off, so we'll see what the biggest in the world will be this year. Yeah, those crazy Europeans. 
What are they doing over there? <laughs> so a lot of them are, growing, actually, are now growing in greenhouses. So they're really, you know, controlling the atmosphere and, uh, you know, the soil, the potting soil. I mean, it, they have a lot of things dialed in that, you know, some of the Americans are just doing now. You know, most growers here are, uh, are just growing in their backyard or, you know, and, and giving it a shot that way. But a lot of people are taking it to the next level where they're really trying to micromanage the environment around the pumpkins to see uh, see what works for them. And well, it looks like it's working. So, Well, that, that brings up a really good point, which is... The rules of engagement, okay? Uh, mm-hmm. You guys are you guys are doing it kind of down and dirty out in the field, and although, as you mentioned, as Greg mentioned, people use blankets, they use heaters, they they you know you germinate indoors usually, and then you take the plant outside uh, yeah. because it won't germinate in the cold weather. But you need to get an early start on this. Um, do you think it's worth? codifying uh how it's grown or do you think it's uh, it's good enough to just come up with the biggest pumpkin in the wild west i think whoever grows the biggest either way is the winner <laughs> i mean okay there's always gonna be people trying stuff you know hydroponically or, or greenhouses or or whatever but you know a lot of the growers who still have great success are, are just growing them you know like me out in the backyard you know with uh no real scientific background. They're just good gardeners, and they have good soil uh, so. and good seed. And that's that's one of the and things. Good seed and and a lot of luck. Yeah, because uh, some of the 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 best growers had a really bad. It was a tough year, wasn't it? Well, a lot of pumpkins yeah. went down. You know, I mean, Gene. You know, he won everything last year with the the two thousand one forty five. He lost everything in his garden. You know, so there was a lot of big pumpkins that went down due to the weather. And and explain to people. Uh, I don't know which one of you guys want to explain why this was a bad pumpkin season here in the Midwest. I think one of the big contributing factors uh, was how we received our rain this year. We, when it rained, it poured, and we would get four, five, six inch rains in a, in a single storm. And uh, the amount of rain became a little too much uh, for the plants to take. You would get flooded areas, which brought on disease, a lot of soilborne diseases. And uh, people would lose plants. I, I started with four plants and actually lost two of mine and uh, was just hoping I could hang on to the other two till the end. So mm-hmm. the weather pattern does have a lot to do with it. Um, and that's unfortunately is one thing, one of the things that's out of our control. So we just have to manage it as well as possible and hopefully you get a little luck. Yeah, well, unless you're like those crazy Europeans and putting everything under glass. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, we're talking to George Janowick. Uh, and Greg Slifka from uh, the Illinois Giant Pumpkin Growers Association. The big pumpkin way-off was yesterday at Siegel's Cottonwood Farm in Lockport, Illinois. I wasn't aware. I talked to Paul Siegel, a real nice guy. He kind of came up and introduced himself. I think he saw me with my microphone and my camera. And uh, so we talked, and he explained at the farm. You know, farm's been around since 1909, which is pretty cool. Uh, and it did host pumpkin events in the past and then didn't for a while. This this uh, giant way-off has moved uh, from place to pay, place over the last few decades, hasn't it, George? Yeah, actually it has. I mean, it started way back when, I think. I don't even know if Greg was involved with uh, any of the wing, but it started, um, I want to say, like, for me in the early 90s, uh, at Bertholds uh, Nursery in Oak Grove. And from there, you know, it's moved several times to where it is now 
So, you know, a lot of work goes into trying to get someone who wants to hold an event like this and then trying to get prize money established so, you know, we get growers to come to these events and, uh, you know, just grow the club. Well, yeah, they put up, um, the Seagulls put up $4,000 for the the first first prize, and you guys had uh, somebody come in from Pennsylvania. In fact, he was the last one weighed, right? Did Some folks thought that that might be the biggest one. Yeah, exactly. So you just never know uh, who's coming with what. You know, when you put a $4,000 first place prize on, you're going to get a lot of competitive growers. And, and like the guy, Quinn, Quinn Warner, who, who came from Pennsylvania, you know, he's basically in the Pumpkin Hall of Fame. You know, he's been growing. He's grown several pumpkins. You know, I think he broke 2,000 last year. If you, if you think there's such a thing, yeah, there is. You know, he's... He's what we call a heavy hitter, someone who's coming uh, just to win, basically, you know. You guys are a stitch. You really are. I mean, the, I love the idea of the Pumpkin Hall of Fame, and uh, uh, I want to go there someday, okay? Um, <laughs> tell me where it is. I, <laughs> yeah. It's a it's traveling like the field of dreams, you know. You just walk in a pumpkin patch, and then there they all are, you know, all the old-time growers. Yeah. Well, that that's uh, that's pretty cool. Um, uh, Greg, one of the things – we talked about yesterday something I've talked about on this show a lot. Uh, and, you know, you guys talked about the weather being a huge factor in growing pump, large pumpkins. Obviously, you have to have the right genetics. you got to have the seed. And one of the things that happens is, like Gene McMullen's record-shattering pumpkin last year, a lot of you guys got a hold of that seed, and you planted it, and you did very well with it. I mean, you took one of those seeds. Uh, yours, uh, Greg, was uh, one of Gene's seeds, wasn't it? Your 1,400-pounder? No, no. Actually, oh. I did plant Gene's twenty-one forty-five, but that was one of the plants I lost. Oh, uh, oh, and the big one was grown off eighteen ninety-two pounder from a, a Wisconsin grower, um, but I lost Gene's. Ah, okay. Um, speaking of plants, there are two things I want to get to. First of all, you say I, you lost the plants. Do you grow just one pumpkin on each plant? Exactly, yeah. If you want to get the biggest pumpkin, you really need to divert all of the energy into one fruit. If you split it between two, they just won't get as big. Right, and that that makes total sense. I'm sure, you know, people go to a regular pumpkin patch, and there are all kinds of pumpkins on one vine. Uh, But in your case, you have to nip them in the bud, so to speak. Size is everything. As Barney would say, uh, uh, so, uh, but the other thing that you and I talked about yesterday, Greg, and your secret, as far as you're concerned, is the soil. And what do we say on about the soil on this program, Peggy? It's the biology, <laughs> stupid. You. you forgot. She, she, went, she was looking at me with a blank expression. What? I'm what going, you... it's the soil, stupid. No, that's not it. No, it's the biology, stupid. I get the other dinger. Okay, there you go. <laughs> Um, tell me a little bit about about biology, Greg. Yeah, you've got that right. Uh, in recent years, we've really learned more and more about how the soil works and the organisms in the soil and the role they play. And uh, the science is, is getting better and better behind that. And we're learning more about how to manipulate and coax uh, the organisms in the soil to interact with the plants and help us get the most out of the genetics that we use. Uh, and 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 folks didn't you know as you you said you said yourself to me yesterday when we were talking in the old days it was well let's just get the right amount of nitrogen and phosphorus and potassium you know on the ma- macro and micronutrients but really you guys are starting to figure out that soil biology is a big deal. Absolutely, 
And, and it all starts with a soil test. I mean, the best thing you can do is start by finding out what's in your soil and what's lacking and then start to make adjustments. But there are a lot of products that have come out now that are biological, uh, a lot of mycorrhizal fungi products, a lot of bacterial products that help you inoculate the soil with the right strains of organisms to uh, grow whatever it is you're trying to grow. You can really fine-tune to be crop-specific. Growing you know, certain crops requires different strains of organisms. Uh, by the way, we haven't mentioned the winner which was Joe Adkins uh, and uh, his daughter, uh, Karina, as we mentioned earlier, had a 1,000-pounder. But he had, what was that, 1861 yesterday or something like that? Or 1862? Yeah, yeah it was uh, 1864. Four. Oh. 1,000. Yeah, 6'4". Okay. Which? <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot of pumpkin. That's He's not being a slouch there. Uh, and they were everybody was kind of surprised when he, that number popped up on the readout. Um, why is that, George? How, how is it that you can be surprised by the weight of a pumpkin? Well, that's one of the nice things about it. Like in Joe's case, he planted the, the 2145 we all had last year. But based on the sheer size of his pumpkin, it was just measuring, I think, 1,500 pounds. So that's another bonus with that seed. It tends to go heavy towards the measurement like his did which, you know, went over 300 pounds heavy, which is almost phenomenal or almost unheard of a lot of times. So that's why everyone was so shocked to see that, that number on the scale. Yeah, well, so, so what you're saying, I'm sorry, I just want to explain it. So they measure, you you use a tape measure on a pumpkin, and you get a rough idea of what you think it's going to weigh, but sometimes there are other factors like density and other things that will make it weigh, up, as you said, up to 300 pounds more. Is that right, George? Uh, that's correct, because, I mean, you never know what's going on in the inside of the pumpkin. You know, the walls can be, you know, four to five inches thick, or, you know, in Joe's case, once that thing gets cut open, I'm sure the wall thickness in his, uh, you know, at some points is eight to 12 inches thick. So you just never know what's going on inside <laughs> these pumpkins. You never know. Peggy, you want Well, I was going to ask, between uh, Joe and Karina, they had over 2,900 pounds of pumpkin. How do you get that there? How do you get that to the competition? <laughs> it's an adventure. <laughs> yeah, it is, and that's part of the There's a lot of heartbreak in just moving the pumpkins. You know, you talked about heartbreak when they die on the vine or something goes wrong right. or they get vandalized. Um, but just transporting them can result in a catastrophe too, can't it? Well, yeah, absolutely. Well, you look at uh, one of the growers that came up from, the, from southern Illinois. Uh, his pumpkin split on the way up, you know, so he was – automatically disqualified when he got to the way off ow so you know the pumpkins they have to you know they have to compete 100 percent intact with no cracks or holes to the cavity of the pumpkin so he was disqualified so you never know what's going to happen until they hit the scale ron was asking about this how they get them on the scale and what was funny is at the beginning of the competition with the the 700 pound ones you had one piece of equipment to move them, and then when you got to the 1,500 pounds, you had to bring in a larger piece of equipment. Can you explain, one of you guys, uh, what kind of equipment you were using there? The first pumpkins, literally, I mean, this is starting from way back when. They were just lifted onto the, the scale uh, manually or physically with growers. that are just lifting tarps that are available and not really use that much more to move them because these pumpkins are getting so darn heavy. So anything... 
you know, under 500 pounds, usually just a few people will lift them onto the scale. But from there, you know, now there's lifting rigs and harnesses with, you know, we started out with a fork truck, which I think only had a thousand pound capacity. So once we got beyond that, they brought in the big farm tractor to move some of these things to the scale. Need a sling and a winch. Uh, and and what and then they they have to maneuver the the ropes under them and lower them and then you got to pull the ropes off because it affects the weight because it's you know they're doing it by right. to, to the half pound <laughs> and um, uh, you can see the growers uh, the look on their faces these guys are maneuvering these ropes and stuff they you know you can you you can see them praying and saying please don't hurt my pumpkin please don't hurt my pumpkin <laughs> <laughs> yeah pretty much. Yeah, you know? it's kind of um, scary when and they're inspected there, right? So you got someone has to put their head underneath there and check to make sure there's no holes on the bottom. So you, know, <laughs> you don't want to do that job too, you know, too much all day long. But we had guys out there that were really working hard, and it was hot on top of that asphalt. So I give those guys a lot of credit for getting those pumpkins on the scale with no damage. Yeah, well, big group of guys. It was uh, it was really fun. I got to tell you, and uh, I really liked going out to Seagulls, and it's a cool place. Uh, a good venue. Are you going to be back there next year? Do you think? Oh, we hope so. Yeah. You know, I mean, we really went. Out, I mean, they've had some great publicity with the event. I mean, we had TV coverage. You were out there, you know. So, I mean, I think they got what they were looking for from uh, an event standpoint from us. Well, um, uh, next year maybe we'll have a twenty-two hundred uh, pound. Who knows what's going to happen? You never know. And in the wonderful world of giant pumpkin growing. Uh, you guys are great. This was uh, really fun, and I had to have Greg on the show because I have worked in community gardens, and we talk about them a lot on the show. And the idea that a 1,400-pound pumpkin was grown in a community garden just blows me away. So, Greg, congratulations on that. It was uh, impressive. And, George, uh, you grew a lot of them. I mean, you're, you're always out there, but you're when I talk to people – when I got there and mentioned your name, oh, yeah, George, yeah, everybody knows George. Um, you're a great spokesperson for the Illinois Giant Pumpkin Growers Association, so congratulations on uh, being uh, a wonderful emissary to that competition. Well, thanks. I mean, we still have a lot of fun with it, you know, win or lose. Uh, it's nice to see guys like Greg or, or other growers like Joe that, you know, basically come out of nowhere that we've all helped. Yeah, and, Joe is uh, was know, it was off a big win. Yeah, Joe wasn't one of the the regulars, was he? No, I mean his previous personal best from there, I think, was just a little bit over a thousand pounds, which was still, you know, a great accomplishment. But to come, you know, go from a thousand pounds to over eighteen hundred pounds, you know, that that's a big jump in one year for anybody. Wow, it's a great I, it's a great lesson for for newer growers. It shows you anything's possible. Just keep trying, and and it could be you someday. Uh, and uh, before I let you go, and I'm going to let you go in just a second, uh, George. How if people want to do this, how do they get involved? Uh, well, I mean, first of all, I mean, you can go to our Facebook page, the Illinois Giant Pumpkin Growers Association. Um, you can see some stuff that you know my garden was pretty much documented on there from start to finish. So you can kind of see what it takes to, to get involved with it. And then if you wanted seeds, just post on there your information. Um, and then we'll make sure that by next spring you're ready to go. We'll get you some seeds. There's going to be a lot of good seeds coming out of all these big pumpkins. And, you know, growers like, you know, Joe or myself or Greg, you know, we're all willing to, to give out seeds and, and help people, you know, get to that next level or, or just grow a decent pumpkin to put in front of your house for Halloween, you know. You can make sure that can happen, too. 
Most people don't try to put out 1,100-pound pumpkins for Halloween, but... Uh... <laughs> well, I do. We oh, do, right, George? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, used to say, I, mean, I usually I'll have all four or five of my pumpkins out here in front of my house all carved up with fog machines and, and everything else, so you should see the traffic that draws. Well, when you look up the words um, obsessive and compulsive on Wikipedia, your guys' pictures are there. I don't know if you realize that. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> All right. Well, it, it can be a sickness. <laughs> it can. George Janowick and Greg Slifka, thank you so much. Uh, it was really fun yesterday. Thanks for helping me out uh, and being a part of the show and, and uh, showing me a pretty good time yesterday. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Thanks Bob. Mike. Enjoyed I it. hope to see you next year as well. Uh, you just might. Maybe maybe one day, one of these days I'll try to grow one. I don't have enough sun in my yard right now, but uh, I, I'll think There's about it. There's always community gardens. Yeah, <laughs> no. There you go. <laughs> All right, you no, got No excuses. No. Oh, wow. He's, he's thrown down the gauntlet. All right. Uh, we'll have to start a side competition. I think so. We'll just have the community garden giant pumpkins uh, at some point. New category. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. I'll talk to you later. Thanks a lot. Bye. Uh, It's the Mike Novak Show on Q4 Radio, 1680 AM, Q4.org. Before we get to uh, Mr. Cowgill, we'll we'll take a short break here, uh, and then we'll talk giant Marshall strawberries that are... (laughs) That are taking over the planet. Yes. uh, That's that's the problem there. So uh, stick around, and we might even get some home improvement tips, some green. You never know. You never know what will happen. All right. That's all coming up next. Trying to weather the housing market? Consider replacing your windows and siding. Remodeling Magazine says they're some of the nation's most popular projects today. Trust DR Services Unlimited, 847-998-1687 for all your remodeling and energy needs. Rated A-plus by the Better Business Bureau and recommended on Angie's List. DR is a proud member of NARI. DR provides exceptional quality at a fair price. Contact DR at 847-998-1687 or at RestoreTheNorthShore.com. Did you know Chicagoans are getting healthier all the time? Hi, I'm Peggy, and I know this is true because for six years I've been publishing Natural Awakening, Chicago's greenest and healthiest magazine. And if you want your message to reach this growing market, you do need to get your business in front of our readers. Why? Because our advertisers tell us that our targeted readers are committed to improving their health and ready to take action. That's more than 80,000 people in Chicagoland who will respond to your message. They're looking for holistic wellness practitioners, integrative doctors and dentists, nutritionists, health coaches, yoga instructors, even home improvement and landscape experts. Natural Awakenings is a free monthly magazine available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. Call me today to expand your market and grow your business. 847-858-3697. That's 847-858-3697. Natural Awakenings. Feel good, live simply, laugh more. This is Heather Fry. Every time I open up an issue of Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, I know I'm going to learn something. And that's in spite of Mike Novak's column on the inside back page. If you've ever read it, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, in Chicagoland Gardening, you might pick up some knowledge in one of the excellent feature articles, or in one of the regular departments like Ask the Garden Pros, or the Regional Reports, or What to Do in the Garden. Or you might be inspired by one of the luscious photos. And Chicagoland Gardening Magazine is just one of 21 different publications of state-by-state gardening. Wherever you live in the Midwest or the South, 
State by State Gardening has a magazine for you. They feature articles by some of the leading gardening experts in each state, including famous authors, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, even Mike. Subscribe today by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. That's 888-265-3600. This is Peggy Malecki of Natural Awakenings Magazine for Chicago Wilderness. You can friend a person on social media, but how do you friend a native plant or animal that's in danger of going extinct? 12 Animals in 12 Weeks is a campaign to support critical species and their habitats in our region. There are more than a half million acres of protected nature in the Chicago area. Sadly, that's not enough to keep key plant and animal life from disappearing. Friend a critical species today. Go to chicagowilderness.org species. Back with the Mike Novak Show on uh, Q4 Radio, and Ron Cogill is in the house. Yes, Mr. Novak. How are you? Good, good. Great. Uh, nice and, ride in this morning. Yeah, you're on the, the motorcycle, aren't got you? Got the scooter out. Got the scooter. Uh-huh. Scooter. Good morning for that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you have, a, you have a scooter in your household? In our household, and it's out somewhere. Right now, yes. yeah, that's right. That's like right. while the, it was gone at six thirty. Uh huh. While the cat's away, oh yeah, the scooter will play. Yeah. Uh, so Ron Cowgill and I, you know, are, are we resurrecting Self Help Sunday here? We uh, could be. Yes, yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah. So for those, there's a few of my listeners who might remember that, and a few of your listeners who might remember that. Right. Uh, so for one brief moment in time, we're resurrecting Self Help Sunday. <laughs> yes, we are. Um, and uh, uh, a couple of years ago, it was three years ago, I think, because I think it was 2013 when I interviewed the woman, Leah uh, Gautier, about uh, the Marshall Strawberry. Mm-hmm. And she was, uh, at that time, living in Indianapolis. She's now in Maine, by the way. She's running because of the Marshall Strawberries taking over people's lots, so she doesn't want to be <laughs> responsible for that. <laughs> yes. And, and uh, I actually had her on earlier this year. We, we did an update on Marshall Strawberries, and I told her, hey, they're doing very well in Ron Cowgill's yard. Mm-hmm. Uh, for folks who don't know, Marshall Strawberry almost went extinct. It was uh, one of the most widely grown strawberries in America in the early part, uh, uh, yeah, early part of the 20th century. It was discovered, I believe, like 1890 or something. It was um, um, a, a natural hybrid that appeared on the side of a road or something, and somebody got it, and went, wow, this is really good, and then it got cultivated, and it was, until the days of shipping things around the world, it was grown in a lot of places and used in a lot of places, but it doesn't ship very well. It tastes great. It's a wonderful flavor, but it doesn't ship well. Well, you know what happens in America, we don't buy stuff because it tastes good. We buy it because it looks good. And it ships well. And it ships well. Well, <laughs> it, it looks good because it ships well. Yeah. You know, so the Marshall strawberry went out of favor. People stopped growing it. And it finally came down to basically three plants in in Oregon. Uh, uh, it was in a, a lab there, I believe, uh, uh, Corvallis, if I'm not mistaken. I would have to go look this up. But um, Leah heard about this, and she thought, okay, I, we've got to save this plant. 
You know, she's a food artist, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting, cause I, you know, because you're not supposed to play with your food, but she does. <laughs> um, and she got three runners, immediately killed, I think, one of them, or maybe two. It was, I mean, she was total panic, got a plant to survive, and then it started sending out runners, and then she started selling them. And then I found out about it, and uh, I bought one, and you bought one, Ron, and some of the other people on my show, like Rob Carthal and Sarah Batka, bought them. They are the horticulturists. They killed them. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. See, there's something to be said for put it in the ground and let it leave it alone. Benign <laughs> neglect, okay? <laughs> That's what I do. I put it, it you know, it's, it's always the strongest that survive in my garden. Have we, uh, by the way, Peggy, have we tweeted or posted the yes. photos of yes. the Marshall strawberries Both. sitting? Yes. Uh, okay, mm-hmm. great, because I haven't, I haven't seen it online yet. I've been doing other things here, but... It's just too funny to have these plants. So Ron calls me maybe two months ago. Uh, I got a lot of Marshall strawberry plants. In fact, they're, they're kind of taking over my yard. What do I do? I said, pot them up. Mm-hmm. We, can, we can sell them or give them away or right. whatever. Because uh, they go for 30 bucks a pop, as you mentioned earlier. Right. Well, and I, you know, the previous years, I was always just going around with the hoe, cleaning up the weeds. And I would always just chop off the runners, and I always kept it in a three-foot-by-three-foot little patch area. Mm-hmm. And then this year I was like, wait a minute. Those things cost money, and maybe there's a way to do something with it. And I had also thought, you know, I kept turning over all the soil all the time, and I kept hearing you and other people say, don't do that because you're just stirring up the seeds for the weeds. <laughs> the and weed they, seeds, yeah. And, and, and they just grow even faster. So this year I decided I'm not turning over the soil, I'm just going to let it go. And that was the big mistake because <laughs> these strawberries just took over everything. They went underneath these pine bushes we've got and started growing on the other side. They've gone under the fence. They're out into the parking lot. They're very lot. happy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're in a gravel parking lot growing happily. You know, gravel is sometimes can be a perfectly uh, acceptable medium well, for growing plants. Uh, this, is, this is proof. So then I also took some home because they were just overtaking everything. So I dug some up. I put them underneath a tree where nothing grows along a fence line. At my, they're growing and sending out runners there, too. So it's, I, I don't know. So then I think it's, if nothing else, if you're looking for ground cover, right here. A lot of people use strawberries yeah. for ground cover. And they're, it's an edible ground mm-hmm. cover. Uh, it kind of depends on what you want. Right. And uh, so... I said, Ron, I'll help you get rid of these if we can. Right. So here's the deal, folks, for those who are listening to the show. I'm happy to give you. I mean, and I'll give you. There's $500 worth of plants sitting on your porch, <laughs> at least $500. <laughs> if you go for 30 bucks a pop. Right. Okay, yeah. so uh, cut a deal. Go, let's go at 25 a pop. So Robbie was going to take him to the parking lot at Progresso Radio yeah. and sell him under, undercut Leah? Yes, exactly. And so sell him for, what, 25 Right, and uh, there's no shipping because you're going to pick it up yourself. So you're actually saving even more money. Yeah. But so there's money here, but we're, we're giving them away. And I'll tell you what, for the folks who are listening right now, if you tweet me and say, I want a Marshall strawberry, if you call 312-985-7834 and say, I want a Marshall strawberry, we'll figure out how to get you. Okay, plan. one more time with that phone number. 312-985-7834. But nobody ever calls it. I, you know who calls it? <laughs> the, uh, Bob from, from, Virginia. from Virginia. All right. Who's, who's listening. Hey, Bob. Give Bob a ding, by the way, because he's a... a 
Well, there's a faithful this listener. one pot's got what five or six plants in it. Right, mm-hmm. the one I'm looking at right here, and it's on. You can see it if you go to Facebook, the Mike Novak Show right now. You can see Ron Calgill with that pot we're talking about. It's a nice, uh, um, you know. And that's the other thing. I look at your pot. Where do you get all these pots from? Some of them were, uh, you know, some are like that, or just a plastic thing. But right, this is terracotta. Yeah. You have a couple of. It looked like uh, not glazed pots, but but uh, ceramic or something mm-hmm. like that. What? I don't know, they, How can you afford to use all these pots? Where'd you get them? I just got them out of the garage. I was just cleaning out my garage, and, and you said pot them up, oh, and I was yeah. getting ready to throw oh, them out. Oh, my goodness. Kind of like my shed. It's yeah. just, I can't throw any. Hold on. Hold on, folks. Good morning. You're on the Mike Novak Show. Who is this? Hi, it's Nancy Bender calling. I should have known Nancy Bender. <laughs> yeah, I always... love a strawberry plant. Uh, Nancy Bender <laughs> that, has... That I can kill. That you can kill. <laughs> Not these. No, you no. won't. I guarantee. We were... We... <laughs> We were saying during the break, you know, because uh, Ron said, well, put them out in the containers outside of Q4. And, and Peggy said, nah, they'll, they'll die there. And I said, yeah, people put their cigarette butts there. And Ron said, no, they'll probably thrive uh, w- because of the cigarette butts. Uh, and, and by the end of the year, they'll be chain smoking themselves. So uh, you might actually get this to survive, Nancy. Who knows? Although my horticultural friends did not. So I, you know, what's this? Oh, and, oh, and I should mention... I've got tons of them too in my yard. There, mm-hmm. I've got pots and wow. pots of them. I've got like a dozen pots right now waiting to go someplace. So, all right, Nancy, we need to figure out how to get you. I forget what part of the city do you live in? Uh, Edgewater. Oh, that's not Edgewater hard. Rogers Park. That's not too hard. No. I, I, no. I can work that out. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Write to me. Uh, you know the uh, address, yeah, Mike. Mike, I can and, email you. Yeah, email me. I'm sorry, Mike at MikeNovak.net. Okay. And um, we'll set up uh, a deal. I'll get you. I'll get you. I might even give you two pots. Who knows? Okay. I'll give okay. you. An, I'll give um, you an example. Can, Wait. Okay. Can, can I, they I, be put in um, pots over the winter? You or know, do they it, have to go in the ground. It, you're better off putting them in the ground right okay. now because I think there's still. It's the end of September. There's still time for roots to get established. Uh, if you try, you know, if you're careful getting them out of the pot, there'll be some integrity of the root system. Okay. Um, and uh, I think, uh, and then you mulch them, you know, you, you put them in a, a, a what, 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 what? Don't do any of that. Yeah, or you just let them sit there. <laughs> or, or Ron, Ron's like shaking his head and said, no, I'm not going to do anything like that, right? You dig a hole, you throw it in there, you cover it up and you walk away. <laughs> That's my kind of gardening. All right. Well, there <laughs> Give you it go. a beer and a okay. cigarette and it's happy. <laughs> exactly. exactly. All right, Nancy, we are going to get you a, uh, a Marshall strawberry. Uh, Terrific. Thank all right. you. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye. I got, uh, I got one additional example. Hold on, three one two nine eight five seven eight three four. Wow, we actually got a phone call. We actually gave away a Marshall strawberry. Okay, so one morning I dug some of these up, and on the dirt just fell away from the roots. Uh-huh. I threw them. I threw four or five in the back of the truck, and then they sat back there in the sun all day. I drove home. The next morning, I got up and I went and planted them in the yard, and they survived. Uh, you tell me. Well, then what? Okay. What? I mean, Sarah. Oh, wait. What's, wait. We have Hold two on. more people. Margaret Sheehan wants a Marshall strawberry. Sarah Bodka wants a strawberry. Uh, and yeah, well, Dog Sarah, one. you already killed one. That's okay. I'll get, I, this is this is your your chance at redemption. Okay. Now, Sarah, while you're listening, I don't I don't know if she's listening, or she's just watching the Twitter feed. Uh, it's hard to know because you. Uh, uh, you put it out on Twitter. Sarah, if you're listening, I'm trying to volunteer at the plant clinic at 
the your office and you don't return any of my phone calls or messages. All right. That's not a that's that's not, not a message in itself. Uh, I believe it is. <laughs> I believe it is. But uh, I want to come and do the plant clinic. Okay. Now, uh, Sarah, we will get you a Marshall strawberry. Um, oh, and for Cope Dog, for Rob, Rob Carthal. So, uh, and it can be a Southside pickup. Margaret, I don't know where you're located. Uh, send me a, a direct message on uh, Twitter. So, uh, uh, or write. Uh, send me an email. Mike at MikeNovak.net, and uh, we'll try to figure that out. So we've given three away, four, four away already. Mm-hmm. Look how fast that is. See, these are in drive. You, these, you could leave us sit here for another week and then water it next week, <laughs> and it's going to take off. <laughs> I'm telling you, you can't kill these things. In fact, it'll probably have runners like yes. stuck into this stuff. And by the time he gets home... The Marshall Strawberries there will have taken over the garage. Yes. The, they will have. You won't be able to find the garage. Right. Okay. They're, well, they're growing through the through the brick, and they're coming up inside the building at this point. You know, like, you just got to keep whacking And them then off. they raid the refrigerator, yes. and yeah. they, they take the beers out of the refrigerator. <laughs> that's that's what happens next. Yeah. Okay. So we I think we've established our point, which is benign neglect for Ron Cowgill works for – but you do that with other things. Everything. I mean, and his and, idea of – of plant care is to mow it down in the fall. Yeah, I, everything. I, and if it comes back, then it meant it's meant to be. <laughs> if if it wasn't, it can't come back after me because I, I just walk around the entire yard, cut everything down, mm-hmm. uh-huh. just lop it all off with the lawnmower, and then whatever comes back the next year, okay, that you know it's strong enough to come back and it survive on its own. Tough love for plants. Oh yeah, yeah, and and so there's just I, I have I don't go out there and water and make sure everything's perfect and check the soil and, you know, uh, cultivate all that stuff and turn it. Nah. <laughs> Put it in the ground and let it go. This is why I love you, Ron. Okay. <laughs> this is why you're here today the, the, to, to, to give us some, the anti-gardening, the anti-gardening <laughs> advice. Yes. It's like, it's, it's not about the biology stupid. No. It's about, Mowing it. Lack Mo- of attention. Lack it's of attention. Just neglect. Mowing yes. it down. Yeah. All right. Garden what garden? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so I got that out. Anybody else wants a Marshall strawberry, give us a holler. And, and we will, and again, the station number, if you want to call 312-985-7834 uh, or just tweet or Facebook us uh, and we'll, we'll get you a Marshall strawberry because we have more than we know what to do with. Yeah. Um, I did mention that we might. Talk a little bit about green home improvement. That's fine. Um, is there anything that uh, is on your radar these days that uh, – because, you know, every time I talk to you or and listen to your show, um, there's a lot of the same stuff that goes on over and over. And, and the keys, obviously, are uh, energy efficiency starts with insulation, mm-hmm. um, basically, and 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 LEDs and um, uh, compact fluorescence and that sort of thing. Is that is that sort of your focus these days? Is energy efficiency? Uh, it's not. It's always kind of been our focus, but we don't tell our clients we're doing that kind of stuff. We just do it. Uh, you know, when when we're putting in lights, we just put in LED bulbs. We don't tell them we're going to do that. Uh, when we insulate, we just do. Closed cell foam. We don't Whoa, use fiber. Wait, we got, we got a call pouring <laughs> call. in. Hold on one second. Thank you. Good morning. You're on the Mike Novak Show. Hello. Hello. Who Hi. is? Oh, my name is Greg. I'm sorry? I am dying to get some Marshall strawberries. Okay. Woohoo! Who is this? 
Your name, okay. sir. Your name, sir. Uh, my name is Greg Kurzan, C-H-R-D-A-N. Okay. Where are you calling from? Uh, from Chicago. Fabulous. All right. Here's what you got to do. You got to write to me at Mike at MikeNovak.net. Uh, and if you go to my website, you'll find it. But remember, it's uh, Novak is spelled N-O-W-A-K. Okay, cool. All right, and we'll and hook you up. We'll hook you up. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we are. You, we, we, Tendrils of plants you're the, grabbing at you. You're the junkie. We are the dealer. <laughs> <laughs> or have them swing by here. Yeah, yeah. if you come by, you know, by the end of the day, I can just hand them out in the parking lot. So, yeah. all right, uh, send me an email, and uh, we'll get you a Marshall Strawberry. All right, sounds great. Uh, do you, you. Uh, let me ask you a quick question. Greg? Do you, do you, Greg, do you listen every week? Still there? Hello? <laughs> he hung up. I, that scared, it scared him well, for me to ask that question. No, I think he hung up before. Yeah, yeah I think so. Uh, it's just I'm always amazed that somebody's out there listening. So, <laughs> you know? We're out there. I we, know. All, we I, are Ron, out there. Ron's a listener. I know. Yeah. See, it's, it's perfect because I get up Sunday morning. I putz around the house a little bit. I sit down in front of the computer, start paying bills, you know, going through the, the house stuff, and I'm listening to you guys. And That's great. Thank that, you. That's that's my Sunday Give morning. Give that man a ding, a beer ding. <laughs> so I love this. Yeah, oh, both. I love this idea that you are dragging your clients kicking and screaming into Not energy. Kick, no, they don't even know we're doing it. But I've been doing that for 15 years. When, uh-huh. I, when someone asks us for an addition, we just use closed cell foam. We don't tell them we're doing that. We don't tell them we're air sealing. We don't tell them we're doing all this extra stuff. Because if you tell them in the beginning while you're going through the budget, they go, oh, that's too expensive. Just give me the cheap insulation. Uh-huh. I'd rather spend that money on a countertop. Yeah. That, that, oh, I don't need that green stuff. Right. Well, it, we don't need, it's just more expensive. Right. To them, it's insulation. Yeah, exactly. They don't know the difference. That, you know, so I, I just stopped telling them we were going to do that, and just that's just how we build. So you know, every year, we're always adding something new. And uh, we've done a lot of LED stuff. That's all we put in now. You know, mm-hmm. if you're looking for recessed lights. What, what, what do you think of, um, is, it, is it still, uh, so I, I, I talked to somebody uh, who claimed that the LEDs being made right now are really not as efficient as they could be. Oh, that's true. I'm, I'm sure that's true. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and they could be more efficient. And they are coming out with even more efficient ones now that are like half as good, you know, half as good, better as what we're using now. So mm-hmm. it, it, they're going to continue to evolve, and, and they have been. The first ones we bought, you know, eight, ten years ago, mm-hmm. they were 100 bucks a piece. For I know. Them. They were oh, ridiculous. Yeah. And, yeah. and the color and, was off. Right. And now they're $18. So, and dimmable. <laughs> yeah. So that's all has evolved over time. So uh-huh. uh, we, we just do the air sealing. We, we, we do the insulation stuff. We do the LED lights. We're kind of driving people towards using um, local products that are made here locally, and we're not, you know, buying something that's been shipped from overseas somewhere. And so we just kind of do that stuff and steer. We just don't tell clients we're doing it. <laughs> so that we just do it. That is so cool, though. I, I like that. It, inevitably, you know, you'll be three quarters through a job, and uh, and the client will walk up to you and say, "Hey, uh, you know, I've been reading about this green stuff. Can we do something green?" And you say, well, yeah, we, you know, you're, all your dumpsters have been recycled. We're using this insulation. We've air sealed everything. Your windows are, you know, low E, blah, blah, blah. And, and just, and oh, we list off oh, everything. Oh, we got another phone call pouring in. Hold okay. that thought. Yeah. Uh, good morning. You're on the Mike Novak Show. Hi there. I'm so excited to find you again. I used to listen to you on WC. 
CPT. Oh, please don't say those call letters here. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, who are you? Who is this? Uh, my name is Liz Perry, and I'm calling from Des Plaines. Um, oh. I heard... Uh, I heard Ron talking about you on his show yesterday, so I absolutely had to find you. Oh, well, that's, see? Thank you, you, Ron. You dragged another listener to me. That's yeah. great, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> I, we, we said Q4 at least five times during the show yesterday. Oh. Give him a, a couple of dings there. All right. And, and he, that's exactly how I found you. So oh, I'm so happy that I'm listening to both of you guys yeah. now. Yeah. We're back. We, we said, you know, here we are. It's Self-Help Sunday all over again. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it's... I I would love some Marshall strawberries, whatever you want to give me. And um, I, I have to say, I'm I'm terrible at growing things. So That's okay. Not- you listen. You heard Ron. You said you, you, you dig can't. a hole, you slam it in, you walk, walk away. away. These yes. are self-growing okay. strawberries. <laughs> <laughs> they might not be, but the, you know, I don't know why we can't go with Ron's advice. I, I've done it, and this is the result. <laughs> yeah. So okay. So Liz, you need to send. First of all, it's kind of funny because. Uh, the same thing happened to me when I left Gargantua Radio, otherwise known as WGN. Mm-hmm. I think people thought I was dead mm-hmm. uh, because that's what happens. You leave a radio station, and then you, the, the, the old radio station isn't going to tell people where you are. So um, I would do these garden talks years later after leaving, you know, and I'd be on it at uh, Progresso Radio there, and people would say, oh, I used to listen to you when you were on WGN. And I said, um, I'm still on. Right. Right. Like, Oh, I didn't know what happened to you. And I'm like, have you ever heard of the Internet? Uh, but <laughs> yeah, but there you go. Uh, but, Liz, uh, you are forgiven, and you're going to get a uh, Marshall strawberry. And she gets a ding. All right, give her a ding. She gets a ding as well. So uh, and thank you for calling. So yeah. send me an email, and, we'll, and we'll, we'll make arrangements for you to get a Marshall strawberry. That's not far from Wonderful. the shop. Uh, you know what? Uh, we, I, I tell you what. We, yeah, we might do it via Ron because he's not that far away. And that one might be freshly dug. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll find them on your front stoop. Just send us an address. And Liz, <laughs> tell all your friends who uh, used to listen to me as well that they need to. Oh, I, I totally. I, oh, yeah, I have your book. I used to love listening to your It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, my gosh. And you can catch up if you go to MikeNovak.net. All the podcasts are up there, so you can catch up to what you missed. Yep. Wonderful. Okay, great. Thank you so much, guys. I all will right. email you. All right, thanks. Thanks, Liz. Have a great Sunday. So you, you too. Bye. Bye. You dared me. To do that on Friday, so then I, I did. did, and you know what? <laughs> Thank you, sir. And and I and my goal yesterday morning was I was going to catch the show as I was headed out to uh, Siegel's mm-hmm. Cottonwood Farm, and of course I didn't get out of the house till like ten fifty five, and I I missed it all. I missed, and that's so why I didn't get to hear you saying that. And um, uh, you but know. he Facebooked it too. Mm-hmm. I, I missed that too. My goodness, I I miss everything. It's all those pumpkins. You yeah, are, you are. You're a good man. Well, <laughs> speaking of that, though, I want to give Ron a plug because he never gives himself a plug. Uh, DR Services Unlimited Inc. When you hear them advertised on my show, that's Ron's outfit. Okay, and Ron has done work for me. I can't recommend him more highly. Uh, he's just uh, excellent, and and they do all kinds of stuff, inclu- including. And I'm looking at their own ad, solar panel installation, wind turbine installation. See, I didn't say turbine, mm-hmm. although that's how you pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> thermal scans, energy audits, energy conservation programs, property management, small projects, interior, exterior, design, build. They do it all. 
Uh, and if you want more information, well, one of the places you can go is to MikeNovak.net Mike and go to my referral network on the right side of the page. Scroll down, you'll see the referral network. Or you can just um, go to, uh, what's the, uh, the website uh, for DR? RestoreTheNorthShore.com. That's right, RestoreTheNorthShore.com. So just go to com or call them at 847-998-1687. And if you're looking to get any large projects done, we're booking for spring right now. Small project stuff, we're six to eight weeks out, just so you know. Is that is that good? No, that's excellent. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> we're back to the pre-depressionary you know depressionary Ways. So you, you, like everybody else, took the big hit in like 2008, yep. right? And and it's just been limping along. And this year it all just took off. And, you know, um, we scaled back a little bit. We just don't have the manpower we used to, so we can't. And nor do I want to scale back up to mm-hmm. that, that uh, fast either yeah. because you can't keep control of your quality that way. So, you know, we're bringing new guys on and we're training people and, and, and doing that kind of stuff. But, you know, additions and that kind of stuff. You know, big, big, large work we're, we're booking for spring right That's now. That's great. I'm so yeah. glad to hear that. And and we used to be six to eight months out all the time. Mm-hmm. That was just normal. Yeah. And, you know, so that's oh. <laughs> to be back there again is really cool. That That is. And, you know, and as long as you don't trip over the strawberries. Uh, yes. You're, you're gonna... <laughs> hey, did you give Ian a strawberry? Uh, Ian not yet. Okay. Not yet. Ian. Yeah. Ian Schnook, who's on his show sometimes. He, who's oh, a friend si- of, he was, he was he's a friend in. of mine from sailing. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. All yeah, right. He was looking for ground cover, so we're there gonna, you go. I, I'm going to give him some of these. That's great. All right. Well, that's the story. If you hire DR Services Unlimited, you and, get a free strawberry. You get a, and and there you go. And you're going to get energy efficiency, and you won't even know it. Yeah, that's that's the best part. I just, I just love that idea. Calgill, we got uh, I got other people coming in. Hey, you, cool. You're Thank wa- you. You're welcome to stick around, but uh, I know you're going to hit the I'm road. Gonna, uh, hey, it's it's riding time now. Yeah. Bring you up on the tune in and head out. Uh, oh, that's true. And that's a really good point. Uh, Ron was saying that he listens to the show on the tune in app. I, I find the tune in app is really good mm-hmm. and very easy way to catch a lot of uh, internet radio. Oh yeah, yeah. So it works really well. Yeah, it does. Ron, a pleasure. Now I got to figure. I got to get these Marshall strawberries out of here. But just, just leave them. They'll, they'll, they'll be all grown all over. That's the whole true. They're going to cover the studio yep. in a couple of weeks. Yep. And uh, <laughs> oh, oh dear. Okay. Cool. All right, uh, buddy. Thank you. All right. Take care. It's the Mike Novak Show on Q4 Radio sixteen eighty A and M. And second hour, we're talking trees. We're talking Southside, and I hope you will stick around for that. Captain's log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe, author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Watt. Yes, Captain. AroundTheBlockPress.com. How many times can I say it? I didn't come here looking for Jesus. I brought him along with me. 
to the Mike Novak Show, still Chicago's only locally broadcast deep green gardening and environment program. Broadcasting live every Sunday from the Genesis Art Supply Building on North Elston Avenue, on Q4 Radio, and at MikeNovak.net. Here he is again, Mike Novak. Speaking of rain, I forgot to mention uh, earlier in the show, Rick Mayo is back with us this week. So I'm very excited about having uh, Mr. Ricky D on the program. The weather wizard. Yes, uh, and uh, I think there is supposed to be some rain today, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, this this afternoon is that what yeah. you're hearing, Chris? Okay. Yes. Was that fun or what? Having yeah. Cowgill on the program, we got to do that more often. Um, of course, then he deserves to have one weekend day to himself. <laughs> you know, I can't do it all the time, but uh, that was great. Uh, and again, if you're still interested, do you guys? Marshall strawberries. I'm, I can give them to you as you walk out the door here. <laughs> you know, oh my goodness! Somebody, that's a tomato. Yes, yes, it is, Mike. Well, um, isn't it a little uh, uh, late in the season to start a tomato plant? Well, the tomato, the tomato started itself. These are seedlings from my silvery fir tree tomatoes, and Ooh. I dug them up in my garden. And I know you're a big tomato guy because I saw your Facebook post. <laughs> And I thought, well, I wonder if Mike would like to try a couple of these. So I brought some plants out. And wow. I, yes. And you know that happy leaf LED? Yeah. That might work. I have a, yeah. I have a happy leaf LED. Uh, they were on the show. I'm going, we're going out there this week to see them, um, to happy, happy leaf LED uh, out in Oregon, Illinois. Um, and... Uh, Maybe I'll put the, these tomatoes under it and see if we And they're blooming and everything. And this is just... <laughs> it's September 25th. Yep. Oh, no. You will have tomatoes for Christmas. This is responsible. I don't know if I can take the, the pressure of this, okay, the responsibility. Well, but thank you. Uh, that's uh, Karen... Uh, and you pronounce your last name for me. I think I got it right before. I'm Karen Rotan. Rotan, right. And it looks like Ruth Ann is what it looks like. It's Rotan. And, and that's what, like Dutch or something like that? Yes, it means red rooster. Does it really? Uh, yes. Uh, not because my parents' people, my father's people were farmers. They actually had a tavern with a red rooster sign on it. Oh, so I'm named I like after that. Right. <laughs> right up your alley. So uh, that would be a beer ding. <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. Give it a beer ding. All right. And uh, Chris Mest is also in the studio. Uh, he is with uh, Tree Guardians. Uh, and uh, what's the uh, website for that? Uh, I don't have it right in front of me, Chris. TreeGuardians.org. All right. So we're here because, and I just love calling it Chicago Park Number 503, although they gave it a name finally. Clara Schaefer Park. Clara Schaefer Park. Do you know who Clara Schaefer was? I know, but I think she was a nurse. Yes. Okay. So probably somebody who actually deserves to have a park name after them. But does anybody call it Clara Schaefer Park? I don't I know can... that anybody calls it anything. <laughs> it doesn't seem like many people go there. It's not much of a park. Yeah. yeah. Wait, wait, wait. You guys are disrespecting my park now. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, Karen uh, lives in the neighborhood there on the south side where, where uh, Chris is a carpetbagger. Yes. Uh, but he's helping out, yeah. trying to help out with this. And I went down to visit the uh, site you know, I, I'm tempted to play a little bit of that audio from the day because I, I have it up and ready to go if we want to do that. 
Uh, in fact, let me let me just do that. I'll just play just a couple of minutes, and and give me the exact location, Karen, of that park. It is along Mackinac, and it stretches from 89th to 91st, and it's east of Mackinac, and just west of the new South Lakeshore Drive. Okay, uh, so uh, Chris uh, said you got to come down, you got to see this. Uh, and, and, and we've been talking about this for a couple of years now. Right. Because in 2014, you sent me pictures and you did a post on your blog about mm-hmm. this park because of what happened in the park. And we'll talk about that in a second. So let me just put this here. And this is what happened when I went down to the park uh, earlier this month. My name is Chris Mest. I'm with Tree Guardians. Uh, the reason we're here is some of the local residents called me out a few years ago. And apprised me of the fact that they had torn down possibly 100-year-old cottonwood trees, clear-cut them. Uh, and a few years ago, it didn't even look this good. It was it looked like a vacant uh, lot. You show you showed me photos. You sent me, and it yes. didn't. I, I have to admit, I came here and I was kind of surprised because it's right. it's an expansive lawn, right. basically a mm-hmm. park lawn, uh, and it doesn't particularly look inviting because there's no large trees but on the other hand it's neat well and yeah i guess that's what they go for and and all this this what some people might call turf is just what grew here and they keep it mowed uh but because there's lots of sun and turf like sun as we know it didn't it didn't like it under the cottonwoods i'll bet turf is a full sun plant yeah uh and but there's no amenities this this path to me basically says okay you came in now get out because it goes from one end to another there's no benches there's no restrooms there's no playground equipment and and karen who works uh with school a local school here said that's one of the things that the kids mentioned themselves is that there was no playground equipment here i mean it's not what anybody would really think of as a park uh other than it has some trees and, and lawn so and, and some lights it. I can see too at night. So yeah. they they send some floodlights into the property. Karen, tell me your involvement here. Uh, Karen Rotan, I'm a certified tree keeper and a community resident. What uh, what number are you? Seven thirty one. Four seventeen reporting for duty. <laughs> <laughs> and the other two gentlemen who are going to introduce themselves are also certified tree keepers, and collectively we are Trees Are Beautiful, which is a local urban forestry group. Uh, or when you uh, local meaning what? Southeast side of Chicago, right east side, South Chicago, Bush, uh, would be our home territory. Though we have gone out into other communities. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so, what's your involvement with the park? Well, before it became a park, there were hundred-year-old cottonwoods, as Chris has mentioned. And I'm looking at a photo of them right now. <laughs> okay. And this was my dog park. And I used to come here, and my dogs would run, and they loved it. And then one day we learned all the trees would be cut, and a new park would be put in. We learned it would be passive. How long ago was that? I'm thinking 2009. Um, um, that's a later uh, letter, David. Yeah, okay. Totally. So I can send you the first emails out, of, and you, we can firm yeah. up that date. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but it was a while ago, and this is what they've given us. It's, as Chris pointed out, there's a lot of lawn here. There are some reasons. A lot of lawn. <laughs> uh, the path actually does make a circle, and I have seen people use it as a walking path. Uh, I brought children here from the local school, which is Learn Charter, elementary charter school, and those children 
like the park, but they said there's no benches, there's no playground, it's not really a park, and their teacher pointed out that there's no safety fence. And again, we can't see this on the radio, but we are very close to the new outer drive, and there's no barrier between the cars and pedestrians our users of the park. Okay, I'm going to kind of come back into the studio here. Uh, and that was my experience there on the south side at uh, park number 503, otherwise known as Clara Schaefer uh, Park. Um, Karen, I want to start with you because you brought up a couple of things uh, in that interview there. One, you're a tree keeper. Can, can we get her a ding for being a, a tree keeper? We had tree keeper number one yeah. on this show last week, right. uh, Suzanne Malik McKenna. Right. Oh, that's... Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> she started the program, so she's tree keeper number one. But uh, she's got the license plate. It's a terrific program uh, to teach average citizens how to take. You know, not everybody can be a certified arborist, Chris, yeah. uh, but uh, people can learn how to be smart and take care of the trees. So, thank you for being a tree keeper. But you mentioned the park uh, and some of the things that happened. Now, this is park district jurisdiction, right? That's correct. All right, and there were one hundred year old or roughly 100-year-old, century-old cottonwoods. And you can see, I have a, I took the photo. It's on my website if you want to see it, mikenovak.net. Go to this week's show. Read about this week's show. You'll find that link on the home page. And you can see the difference. Uh, there was actually a road there that they took out that went through the park, but there were 100-year-old cottonwood trees that lined it. And you mentioned something about being surprised. Um, did, was this sort of a, a, in the dead of night, or did they let you know? Did you have a clue as to what was going to happen? We did. Uh, we found out, I've just been looking at some old emails, we found out in 2009 that the trees would be cut down because the land was contaminated. It was not Park District property uh, in 2000, for example. The, it was donated to the Park District in preparation for that large new development called Lakeside, which hasn't happened. Mm. But part of the process of U.S. Steel getting a permit to have a large development was donating a certain amount of land to the city, which was then donated to the park district. And this was part of that big land swap. And there's the complication of contamination, but I've seen an email thread that you sent me mm-hmm. and you asking questions about it and basically getting a runaround from, from the city. Absolutely. Yeah. So they, they But it wasn't the city, it was the park district and I love it the way the city oh, okay. can always hand something off because the park district is technically different from the city. So if you complain to the city about something the park district does, they say, "Oh, well, you really have to complain to the park district." Uh, yeah. And if you've ever been to a park district board meeting, you'll find that you have exactly 2 minutes to make any statement you would like to make before they disregard it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I, I get that. All right, so you had this park, you had these beautiful cottonwoods. They said they had to get rid of them because of the contamination, or was it something else? They said they could not remediate without removing all the cottonwoods. And have they remediated? Do you know? Yes. Oh. Uh, I sent you an email this morning from that era. Okay, I, I, I haven't seen it. I'm sorry. I was kind of busy this morning. But. Yeah. <laughs> you no. prepare for these things? Yeah. <laughs> not really. Uh, have you ever listened to my show? Do you, do you think I prepare? <laughs> Mike, I think you're very well prepared. Sometimes yeah. just understanding what's going on is the preparation we need. Yeah, well, and I do under, kind of understand. I'm, you know, I'm trying to understand. The problem is they took what was uh, – and, 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 and I'm going to say this again, and I said it in the 
beginning of the show, and I don't know if you heard it coming in, but people who live on the north side have no idea what the south side of Chicago is like and the industry that's still there and the remnants of the industry and the contamination and just everything. I mean, in that park, I took a tour, my, a self-guided tour after I left you guys that morning, and I went to see the what they call the ore wall, which is where they used to unload ore uh, and this is a wall that's a half a mile long and a block, you know, half a city block wide. Wow. And you think, wait a second, what? And there are several of them. And you don't even, it's like seeing one of the great wonders of the world, except that nobody's there except some people fishing off the side of the, the dock there because they, the boats don't come in anymore. And they're not supposed to be there either because it says no trespassing. Mm-hmm. It's all this land that's... That nobody's supposed to go on. But it's not fenced off. But no. it's not fenced off, no. Uh, so, But that's, I'm just saying that to explain, that's the south side. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, you've got to go and not see the, the, uh, the you know, the special places. You've got to go to the, the neighborhoods, the ordinary places, to really get a sense of what the south side is like. Absolutely. And I'm not an expert on it, but thanks to Tom Shepard and people like you, Karen, and, and you, Chris, bringing me down there, you know, I've seen some of that, and you just shake your head. So let's talk about the trees, mm-hmm. Chris. They said they needed to remove them to remediate as an arborist. Did, does that make sense to you? Well, we know that trees do more to... Uh to clean the soil and remediate, you know, stormwater and things like that than anything else. So mm-hmm. that part. But uh, I think Karen also made a statement. That I guess they told her that they like to start with a clean slate. That's that, See, that, that makes the most sense to me. It's just oh, like, ah, yeah. oh, come on. We don't want to actually work around these things. It's a lot easier if we just bulldoze and then we don't have to deal with all. Can't blah, get our equipment in. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But then the trees, you know, we walked around and looked at the trees that were planted. They were donated and they were planted. I don't know. Uh, other than the local residents watering them, it doesn't look like any other aftercare was done. Well, let me, let's stop there because you took me on. We walked all the way around the park mm-hmm. and we looked at all the trees that had been planted. And some of them, you know, are species that you'd want to, that were there already, like hackberry. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what were some of the other things they planted? They planted some uh, uh, maples. Um, some uh, some hybrid elms, hybrid elms, and, and so. Uh, Here's yeah. the deal, though. I would say, from your description and my just looking at them, eighty to ninety percent of them are either in distress or dying, yeah. or are dead. Yeah. And these are the new trees they planted. There's not gonna, those aren't going to survive, and if they survive, they're not going to look good. I mean, it was horrible, yeah. and part of it. We looked at the base, and Chris, thanks to Chris, um, there were still burlap around the root balls. And this is what five years later or something. Um, <clears throat> and there's and and the wire, you know, and wire you can't always get out, but you got to remove the burlap because the roots aren't going to be able to get out. Mm-hmm. There are people in the business that will say, "Don't worry, the tree roots grow through the burlap." No, they don't. <laughs> Come on, don't be an idiot. Yeah. Don't tell me that. I'm I wasn't born yesterday. We, you know, because burlap does degrade at some point, but a lot slower than you think. Right. Right, Chris? Eventually. And, and I see this almost every day uh, during my work, uh, trees planted in this fashion. And, you know, most companies will give you a year guarantee 
Uh, as arborists, we have standards for tree planting, but so do the, the landscapers, and it's basically the same as an arborist. And we know the landscaping company that planted those trees because their name is still on them. And I'm right. not, not going to bust them, okay? No, no. They, What's they the donated them, and they were right. trying to do something good. So, uh, Chris, why do you say they were donated? Because I thought that's what I was told. Uh, there's two sets of trees there. One set is on city property, and those are the parkway trees to the north, on the north side of 89th, and then a little bit on the south side of 89th. Those were put in by Trees Are Beautiful, and I will mention the company that helped us put it in. It was Wholesome Cement, and the donors were Open Lands. Okay. And then right after we got those trees in the ground, which was spring of 2014, then the park district showed up with their trees, and I don't know where those trees oh, came well, from. So, then, then they were, so those were planted, some of them were planted after 2014. I'm just telling you, though, looking at the trees, they're under stress. They are. They're, they're dying. Right. Uh, in many cases. Um, and so they're not going to replace the trees that were cut down anytime soon. And I'm wondering, couldn't they have saved a few of the, the old trees? You know, I just- will say yes, Mike, because there were sections of that land where basically weed tr- trees were growing very thick- thickly and would probably need to get bulldozed or you'd have to go in and selectively thin to get any nice substantial trees. But the cottonwoods, the beautiful photograph you showed me that, that, uh, that we showed you, those were in a section where there was a lot of grass around them, and I felt that that area could have just been groomed and cleaned up a little and would have made a beautiful shady area. Well, they, the cottonwoods, it looks like, you know, 100 years ago or whenever, were planted as street trees uh, and along the street that was there Mm -hmm. and it seems to me you could still have ripped up that street and left those cottonwoods there i I don't know for sure because i wasn't there when they were alive they were also they had also been backyard trees because that was a residential area okay and people had just sort of allowed it to become a very quiet shady little neighborhood Mm -hmm. and when i first moved into the area in 2000 and started uh going there with my dogs it was just a beautiful green spot. Mm-hmm. There were a few old houses left that the park district later tore down. It was very quiet and very secluded. So how did this change the neighborhood since you're part of the neighborhood? Um, I don't know that it really changed the neighborhood. It has put South Chicago, that park, along with uh, Steelworkers Park and the new Park 566 that are still being worked on, those parks have actually put us above the standard of par- for parks. I think the standard is two acres per thousand residents. And Southeast Chicago was below that standard and is now considered to be above that standard because of these new parks that have been put in. The reason I'm saying considered is that none of these parks have bathrooms. I don't know if you were going to get to that in the show. but Well, they don't have anything <laughs> at the moment. Well, bathrooms are unimproved, important. <clears throat> yeah. basically. And, and, and that's Thank the you. point. Thank you, unimproved. There's... N- you can't do anything in the park except maybe play soccer or softball or something like that. And there's, but there's no diamond yeah. and there's no grid or anything like that. It's just lawn. And as you pointed out uh, in the interview, when I was out there, it's this lawn is sort of developed on its own. It's not like it's been cultivated. No, it was, it was sown, but they, it's, they, they well, put it was, seed down. Yeah. Okay. Right, right well, now okay. it's basically weeds and whatever's growing there. Yeah. Well, they mow it and, and you know, it's this big flat expanse, which, Mike, I'm so glad that you brought up soccer because the Calumet soccer fields, the Calumet Park soccer fields, yeah. which are right over the river, those are always crowded in the summer. 
So that would have been a really nice thing to put in to any park is to add some soccer fields. Well, I guess that's my next question. What would you like to see happen in this park? I'd like to see the community actually have a chance to answer that question. I think oh, soccer I fields so, would it, be a start, so but I don't the think there was get together, good. let's discuss it, and then propose it to the city or to the park district, yes. to, to whichever one is not passing it off to the other this week. Mm-hmm. By the way, that's um, Karen Rotan from the Trees Are Beautiful. It's a Southside Chicago Urban Forestry Group. Uh, how many people are in your group? Right now we have three. Oh, that's great. I love it. All <laughs> Every right. one of us has a backyard. <laughs> it's a triumvirate. And uh, Chris messed with tree guardians who called this to my attention. I mean, there's not much you can do now. The trees are gone. But, yeah. you know, when they told you they were going to cut them, you probably had no idea that they were going to just lay waste to all of this, did you? Can I just say one thing to all the listeners? Yeah. Go to the Park District Board meetings. Get involved. <laughs> Uh, Okay, I guess that answers my question. Uh, Now, Chris, you wanted to bring up something else, which is important, because, okay, here we lost these 100-year-old trees. And you sent me a story from grist.org. I love grist. It's a very cool magazine, um, you know, e-magazine. It's an environmental website. It's about the end of trees as we know it. Um. It, it, the, the article talks about how, at one point on this planet, there were six trillion trees. Now there are about three trillion. Now we think that's a lot. Right. But it's half of the number we once had. And the prediction in the, the story is that by the, but in the next 300 years, we could, at the rate we're going, we're going to lose the rest of them. Yeah. Well, the story, I mean, it, it starts out very hopeful in the fact that they found out there's more trees than they actually thought there were on planet Earth. And this is because instead of just using the aerial photography information, they used observations from the ground. Mm-hmm. So now there's a little over $3 trillion. Uh, But then the story goes on to say that uh, we lose approximately 15 billion trees a year through various things, people cutting them down. You know, things like, you know, Myrtle Ash Borer and other things that are coming down the line and already have been. And uh, we only plant 5 billion trees a year. So you just need to do the math. Just do the math, yeah. And that's a loss of 10 billion trees a year. And at that rate, it will be 300 years before all those trees are gone. Uh, So, and I've been, you know, I never had the numbers that blatantly shot at me like that. But I knew that we were losing more trees. You kind of you kind of freaked out when you saw that oh, story, didn't you? Because yeah. you were like he was writing to me, you know, <laughs> the end of civilization. Well, without trees, people will cease to exist, and I think it would happen a lot, yeah, lot, lot sooner the than the three hundred. Will the bees go first or the trees go first? Uh-huh. Ah, we don't know. Well, if the people go, then the bees and the trees will be just fine. And I'm counting on that. <laughs> so you, you think I'm kidding? Uh, I'm no. not. I'm. This is, sounds really rude. I'm not a particular fan of humanity at yes. this juncture on Who the is? planet. There, there are some times when I think humans were put on this planet to destroy it. But, uh, and they're doing a great job. Yes, they are doing a great job. And, but I came up, because I think about this stuff all the time when I'm not hardworking. Uh, <laughs> and what is it you do when you're hardworking? Well, I'm a, I'm a working arborist, but mm-hmm. let's just talk about what I came up with. And it's kind of a new mantra. It's plant, protect, and maintain. And we need to do all those things more. 
we need to plant more trees instead of, I mean, at this rate, we're losing three to one, so we need to plant four to one. <laughs> the way trees mm. are planted, as you experienced out at park, and I call it no 503 because I don't consider it a park at all. Uh, the way trees are planted. He needs to stop disrespecting our park. It's right. all we've it's got. Their park. You, you don't live there, that's, pal. Okay. That's true. I'm an outside agitator. Yes, you are. Uh, but the way the trees are planted, and this is a big issue with me because I see this almost every day uh, in my working life, is that they're not planted properly. They're, they're left with the burlap on, the twine on, mm-hmm. the hole is not dug twice as wide as the root ball. The trees are planted too deep. You very rarely see the flares. And a lot of, I mean. Uh, let's, they, let's stop there for a second okay. because this is a really, really important lesson about planting trees. And tree keepers know this, uh, which is you, when you plant a tree, you need to see the flare. There's a part of the tree, think of uh, bell-bottom pants. And, and the, if they flare out before they hit the ground, you need to see that flare above the soil level. If the tree goes into the ground like a telephone pole, you have planted it too deep, and it's going to, you're going to pay the price for it. Yeah. It's probably going to die. Exactly. And a lot of these trees are planted by people that are hired to do this. Uh, they might give you a one-year guarantee, but that really doesn't mean anything in the life of But the here's tree. the other thing I, that I noticed, because I had this happen to me planting a tree uh, for a client, actually, and I had to get another one because I planted it at uh, the grade root ball grade. And then I found out that the root ball grade, the, the root ball uh, soil around the root ball was six inches up the uh, trunk of the tree. Mm-hmm. So you actually have to sometimes when you buy a tree that's that's got a big root ball in it, a bald and burlap tree, you got to dig away some of that soil to see where the flare is exactly yeah and folks don't know that they're right. they, you know they figure well they just this is what it looks like when you buy it so i'll put it in the ground and then they, they kill their tree yeah well the information is out there you can go to the martin arboretum's website you can go to trees are good which is a branch of the international society of arboriculture you can email me at uh, treeguardians at gmail.com and i will send you the information uh, so th- that's one of the big things because if a tree, you know, lives past the, the guarantee, first of all, you're going to have to pay to replace it yourself. And if it only lives like three or five years and you have to start all over, you really gain nothing. Absolutely uh, right. The, the, so that's yeah. What, you know, it's uh, you you want to do it right in the first place because it takes trees a long time to grow. It takes them a long time to die. Which mm-hmm. is one of the things you discover about trees. A tree can be in decline for d- decades. Yes. All right. Absolutely. And it's usually not one thing that kills it. Yeah. Uh, it's usually a combination. And as uh, and as we when we were doing the tour mm-hmm. of uh, the park, uh, we talked about this, which is to say, when you see something wrong with your tree, think what happened two three years ago. That's usually what's being reflected. Uh, because it takes a long time for that to so if there was a drought three years ago and now your tree is showing signs of stress it might be related to that drought three years ago or a flood three years ago or something else that happened right and and that's one of the reasons i recommend people have their trees inspected annually by a certified arborist Uh, the next part of my little mantra there is protect we allow people in my opinion to remove trees too easily uh, I believe that unless a tree is dead, dying, or hazardous, you should try and keep it alive. 
Uh, now, a lot of towns don't have any ordinances when it comes to tree removal. I'm on a committee with the Chicago Regional Tree Initiative that's spearheaded by the Morton Arboretum, and we have just finished working on templates for, uh, for uh, ordinances for trees. Now, there's three different levels, and even the first two levels don't deal with private trees, and most of your urban canopy is private trees. So I'd like to see there be more, uh, more regulation. I know people hate government regulation. Well, <laughs> do, let's do it ourselves then. Let's voluntarily do the right thing for trees. Well, that's what Tree Keepers is all about, too, right. the idea yes. that you learn and then you go out and take care of the trees. Mm-hmm. You volunteer and, and be part of those uh, uh, events. Yeah, and the last part of my mantra is maintain. You know, trees are alive. Big surprise, right? Yeah. Uh, well, that's not, that is a big I, I surprise because there's a lot of people who think, well, there's no way you can hurt a tree. It's so big. Yeah. Okay? So it doesn't matter if I bump my lawnmower into it because it's not going to hurt the tree. Right. It's No, it's only going to kill it. All right. right? Or I'll dump my charcoals, at my the hot base coals of the at the base yes. of the tree. Yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of people have this idea that you just plant a tree and let nature take its course. But because a tree is a living thing, you have to plan for caring for it for its entire life, just like you would with a child or a pet. Uh, so there should be, I mean, if you're in an association, there should be money set aside for taking care of the trees. We want, you know, as a tree lover, tree keeper, uh, I'm not a tree keeper, uh, tree guardian, tree kisser, uh, I want trees to live <laughs> as long as nature intended them. Uh, so... We, we, have to, we have to think more about keeping them alive and, and after care for trees. Uh, one thing is when you go to, you know, and, and the right tree in the right place and natives has been beaten into the ground, but when you do pick the right tree for the right place and plant more native trees, they're going to need care but not as much. Uh, you got to get them through the first right. few years, and then usually nature can mm-hmm. take over. But the trees are like any plant. They're vulnerable when you first put them in the ground. Right. And, and, ignoring, and, and ignoring the proper care does not save you money. In the long run, it costs you money. A tree is the only part of the infrastructure that gets better at doing its job as it gets older and bigger. There was this great publication by the U.S. Forest Service called The Larger Tree Argument, that states this. Uh, so that's basically, you know, and that's a big part of what Tree Guardians does is just trying to get people to, you know, uh, think about taking care of their trees and thinking about keeping them alive as long as possible. Uh, you know, people, that a lot of people say save the earth, save the planet, which I have never bought into that idea. The planet will survive, as I said before. Uh, when all the trees are gone, they, they probably won't all be gone because the people will die before that. So the trees don't need us. In fact, we do more to harm trees than to help them. We need the trees, and we need to, we need to really embrace that. And, uh, and I think that not too many people are. Yeah. Well, uh, we're just about out of time here. And uh, Can I just say one more thing? Yes. Um, yeah, I know you got a list there. So. Well, I'm done with my list, but one of the things that I am doing is – uh, I write children's stories concerning trees and tree le- lessons about trees, and I have a whole series of books. And I want to present you with the prototype of the very first edition of Jake and the Arborist. Oh, remember it is a prototype, so it's it's not in its finished form yet. And I, I try to teach classes for both children and adults. And I just you know anybody that's ever talked to me 
knows that I will talk their ears off about trees. <laughs> I, had, I hadn't noticed, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is cool so, and nice illustrations. Uh, we do have a GoFundMe. Uh, it's GoFundMe slash Love Trees, and we really could use some support. Well, you uh, you, you got to send me that link, and we'll we'll post it, uh, or we can get it right now, because we'll, you know, okay. Peggy's really good at doing this stuff. And um, thanks. This is cool. Uh, uh, and we'll, I'll get to you it. the official copy when we get it. We, that's one of the things we need to do is get funding for printing them in mass quantities because I just want to be able to give them away to schools. So I'm uh, not looking to get rich off this. No, <laughs> nobody no, ever. No, get, no honest arborist. Nobody is. ever gets rich uh, uh, from horticulture. Okay, <laughs> I'm just telling you. Yeah. Um, and Karen, uh, what are your next steps for the park? What are you trying to do right now? Uh, right now, the park is very low on my priority list. Oh, okay. <laughs> Why is that? Have you given up, or is it you just uh, you just got other things to deal with? I I have a lot of other things going on right now. I have a new job. I my parents are in poor health, and mm. um, I'm running for office. What are you running for? I'm running for Metropolitan Water Reclamation District Commissioner on the Green Party ticket. Oh my goodness! I didn't know that. Now you know that. And so you're on the ballot. Yes, sir. Wow. Number 54. Number 54. So those folks want to check out Karen Rotan uh, for MWRD. I didn't know that. That's just, that's amazing. Well, good luck to you. Thank you, Mike. Okay. I want to thank you both for being here. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, Mike. Uh, my pleasure. And uh, it's, it, you know, it's a cautionary tale about, uh, uh, about paying attention, as you said, Karen, and about being smart about taking care of our trees. Uh, I, you know, I don't know that you would have been able to do anything to keep those trees from being cut down, uh-huh. but, you know, moving forward, we need to be better stewards of the planet. And what, what you said, play, plant four to one, four, four trees for every one cut down. Right. That's a, that's a good mission. Did you know that Genesis is the Midwest's largest source of airbrush supplies? Find out more at chicagoairbrushsupply.com or artsupply.com. Or stop into their showroom at 2525 North Elston and say that you heard about them on Q4 Radio or the Mike Novak Show. You'll get an extra 10% off their already discount prices. Genesis, Chicago's only privately owned art supplier, serving all of Chicago's artistic framing and drafting needs since 1946. Rick DeMaio coming up. Stick around. This is Suzanne Malik McKenna for Chicago Wilderness. When you think of our region, wilderness may not be the first thing that comes to mind. Did you know this area is home to more than half a million acres of protected nature with thousands of plants and animal species? Our local native wildlife needs your help. Now is the time. 12 Animals in 12 Weeks is a campaign to get support for these critical species and their habitats. Sponsor one today. Meet the species at chicagowilderness.org splash species. Splash species. Splash. I kind of like that. (laughs) Ah. Trying to weather the housing market? Consider replacing your windows and siding. Remodeling Magazine says they're some of the nation's most popular projects today. Trust DR Services Unlimited, 847-998-1687 for all your remodeling and energy needs. Rated A-plus by the Better Business Bureau and recommended on Angie's List. DR is a proud member of NARI. DR provides exceptional quality at a fair price. Contact DR at 847-998-1687 or at RestoreTheNorthShore.com. Hey, this is Peggy. When I speak at local events, people often ask me, aren't you the Peggy in the Natural Awakenings ads? And that makes me happy because it reminds me that Chicagoans want to live healthier lives. And Natural Awakenings magazine helps them do just that. Natural Awakenings, it's the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. Each month, we bring you the latest information about health and wellness, 
complimentary medicine, fitness and exercise, raising healthy kids, and even healthy pets. You'll find articles about healthy homes, too, including gardening, energy efficiency, and green living. And if you love good food, you'll always find tasty recipes and cooking hints. Check out our monthly calendar. It's full of events to help keep you connected. Natural Awakenings is available in more than 1,100 locations throughout Chicago and suburban Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. And it's free. Or visit us online at nachicagonorth.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Let's bring up uh, Mr. DeMaio here. Rick, how are you? I'm doing fine. I finished watching my uh, 45 minutes of Meet the Depressed this morning, but um, I'll get over it. Uh, Oh, you mean Be Depressed. Yes. Be Depressed on on NBC. Yeah, Meet meet the Depressed. um, uh, Disgrace the nation. uh, (laughs) Otherwise, I'm going to face the nation. Um, I mean, it's... Yeah, it was interesting because they, they finally mentioned the two words I've been I've been looking for them to talk about uh, for the last month or two, and that's climate change. And they actually expressed, you know, or at least um, presented some information about how those two words have become less and less part of of Hillary Clinton's um, policy speeches, which is which is really a shame because she's the only one that's going to talk about that. And I hope it's brought up tomorrow night in the debates. Uh, I'm uh, with you there, and don't count on it is what I would say. Um, you know, I it's this whole uh, this whole election is is so so uh, discouraging at the moment because uh, I, I look at these uh, the mainstream media, and I don't want to get too much into this because and and thank goodness I don't I'm not required to talk about it on this show very often, but I'm mm-hmm. so frustrated because. Uh, I feel like the mainstream media are basically uh, Donald Trump enablers. That's their key role. It's like, let's make him legitimate, and then we can say it's a horse race. And, uh, and they're very proud of it. And then, and then when, you know, if when he gets elected, they'll say, well, how did this possibly happen? I have no idea. Right. You know, and yet there they are enabling him every single time uh, you hear them talking about issues and 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 say that uh, he's they give him credibility. The man's psychotic. He's he's a nut job. Right, right. And, you know, and, they, and what they need to do is preface everything they say. Now, okay, let's let's just, you you do know that Donald Trump is a nut job. Now that being said, he said yesterday. You know, and they, they and they really should be prefacing every single sentence with. He's a whack job. Don't pay any attention. However, right. he said he right. said yesterday, yeah. blah blah blah. But they put him there, so they can't say that. They they put right. him right. in that they, position. They, they cover. They, right. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Peggy. No, I was going to say they put him in that position, and it's getting them ratings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, oh, and they love that part—the ratings and part. money. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. So yeah. the, and, and and we'll 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 put we'll put this to bed in a minute. But they should, you know, they showed the president um, and his wife Michelle, and then former vice former President Bush and his wife, Laura, at the opening of the uh, um, African-American Museum. I, I believe it was in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. And Michelle was hugging uh, President Bush. And, you know, they were they were very jovial with each other. And, you know, they brought up the thing. What, what would happen in, you know, two years um, when Obama's museum is opened up? Is President Trump going to be there 
you know, hugging and holding and, and yeah. talking about him. Because that's, that's what this country is all about, is even though we have differences, you could talk about him openly and still respect the other person. And unfortunately, that doesn't come from Trump um, or his supporters. No. It's, this, is, this is our country, and don't screw it up. Who said it's your country? <laughs> it's everybody's country. You know, so anyway, so getting back to climate change. So we were talking about this in my class at Loyola last week because we have a class on Monday night and then a class on Wednesday night. I, and their homework assignment is for both nights, well, for both classes, is to see whether or not they mention it, anything about the environment, um, and how much they actually, you know, talk about it, you know, in, in, you know, in secondary conversations. And we're all not... We're all not, you know, keeping our ears open for hearing too much, but but that's their sign, and we'll see what happens. I I bet it doesn't even get on the radar. I bet, you know, you know, it's yeah. going to be Lester Holt, and I don't have uh, any great hope for him uh, managing this thing at all. I I think he will be yeah. swept aside um, yeah. by forces that he can't control. You think I'm wrong? Yeah, he, what, he, you think he's good? Yeah, he, I, I think I, I've, I've always liked Lester Holt. I think he's, he's kind of grounded. Um, it was revealed this morning on um, this week uh, that he's actually a registered Republican because Trump came out and called him a Democrat, and he says that the that the <laughs> that the um, uh, debates already rigged, and someone had to remind his campaign manager that yet he lied again, and um, and yet and yet it just kind of goes away. So. Anyway, we'll, that's what we'll, I'm talking we'll about. It's that. like a, that, that that sort of thing will happen. And uh, no, yeah. no reporter yet <clears throat> or very few. Let me put it that way. Very few one on one with that guy have managed to make a dent in his lies and his just right. the, the horrible things he says. So the fallacies uh, real, real, real quickly, Mike, my brother, who is a freelance photographer, uh, one of his accounts, he lives on Long Island. One of his accounts is Hosford University. Um, and he was at the second Romney-Obama debate uh, four years ago, and he will be at this one tomorrow night. And he has already sent me some, some photos of the, of the area because they have to go through like a screening process of where they're going to be standing and, and what kind of protocol is involved and all these security measures. So, um, you know, we, we talk about how reporters, you know, get into the Super Bowl. This is kind of like the Super Bowl to some extent. So he's he's. You know, it, it's it's more the before and the after stuff. I think that he's going to be able to be uh, able to, um, you know, witness. Whereas most people, everybody sees the debate. Right. But uh, he's going to he's going to be seeing some really interesting things. So I'm not too sure if they if they if they take his film from him right away. You know, in other words, the people who who um, um, who pay him. But uh, hopefully, he'll be able to um, send me some photos from his phone. I don't know if that's a, if that's allowable. I don't think I don't think it would not be. But when you're in that when you when you're in that uh, photographer reporter pool, um, you have to you have to adhere to some pretty pretty strict rules. So um, I'll I'll be I'll be letting you in on it as soon as he lets me in on it. How about that? Yeah, that sounds great. That's it's good to yeah, have. Yeah. It, well, you know. Yeah, a friend of mine is a, uh, um, a photographer for the Washington Post, so I'll be checking his oh, Facebook wow. feed too. Let's see what that's, they can sneak great, out. Yeah. yeah, that that is cool. So we 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 have our tent. The Mike Novak show has its tentacles in the <laughs> kind of like those the strawberries. De- yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, hey, yeah, Rick, let's, do you, let's, do you let's need see. any strawberries? What's that? Do you need any, any strawberry plants? Um, have I had any strawberries? No, um, no, no. no, no, would, no you, would you I, would you like some Marshall strawberry plants free? 
Oh, would would I like some strawberries? Sure. Not I, no I not no not strawberries. Food. Strawberry plants. Oh. oh, strawberry plants. Um, I don't I don't particularly have the best place to grow them, but I can certainly find a place. <laughs> uh, so of course. yeah, if there <laughs> if there's a way I can get my hand on some on some fresh strawberry plants, that'd be great. Strawberries are kind of uh, they're kind of out of season at this point, aren't they? Are, are, oh yeah, they, most of them been picked. Yeah, they're 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 more yeah. of a, a spring, late spring uh, uh, fruit. So no, it's just that uh, Ron Calgill from uh, Mighty House at uh, uh, WCPT stopped by here today, and he's uh, given me a oh. bunch. He's they I gave him well, I helped him acquire a plant several years ago, and they're taking over his yard. So he's been digging them up and potting <laughs> them, and, and we're giving them away. So we, we gave a, bu- a bunch away on the show today. Uh, and I'm sorry, I stepped all over you. Were, you were going to start a, a conversation. No, 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 Keep going, keep going. This is right. It's free form. We're talking science. <laughs> it's really free form. <laughs> I sent you a bunch of stuff yesterday. The um, uh, big area of you know, low pressure with its freezing level down about 10,000 feet has produced some beautiful um, early season snow in the in the Tetons and the, um, the Wyoming and Montana Rockies. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And I I was looking at some of the shots. Uh, the, the best time to really view snow um, in the Rockies in late September is the day after it snows. Uh-huh. Um, while you're while you're in it, it's not very pleasant. It's usually like 40 <laughs> degrees and cloudy and rainy and, and then the mountains are getting snow and you can't see anything but boy the next day i was looking at some webcams this morning and it's just it's just gorgeous out there and this is something that's always um it, it's it's really good to get these late september snows and rains because it really helps out uh, i mentioned this so many times before the ground's very warm uh you get a lot of percolation down into the soil it typically ends um the uh the wildfire season and it's interesting to note, Mike, um, the Western Pacific has become very active. There's been a couple of typhoons. There's another one that's moving to the east of Japan today. And everything shows that the Eastern Pac or Eastern Pacific has become uh, probably the hotbed for some very strong storms, which is going to produce some very heavy rainfall um, in the Western United States, some low elevation mountain snows. Uh, probably for the next two weeks, maybe even three weeks, the pattern literally shifts out there. Um, and this was something we were hoping to get with um, with the El Nino, uh, but a lot of the warm water that has still been part of the uh, eroding El Nino has actually pushed northward and has become now kind of like this corridor of, of storm development. Uh, so the one that's going to the Rockies right now is probably one of maybe four or five that are expected to develop over the next two weeks. And what it does for us here in the Midwest, um, it generally produces strong southwest flow. And we've been under that uh, the last couple of days. Even though we have a lot of cloud cover around here, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, uh, those were all you know high clouds, blow-off clouds from the absolutely tremendous rainfall that moved through parts of Minnesota and Wisconsin, anywhere between 8 and 10 inches, which was unbelievable. Um, that they can get that much rainfall in, in late September uh, but even though we'll get some rain around here later on this afternoon, we go right back into uh, a warmer pattern by Wednesday. Uh, and the overall long-term pattern for us looks to be mild, uh, above average, maybe not as wet as we'd like it. I think we can use a little bit of rain. You look around the areas, the, the, the lawns have kind of gotten dried up a little bit. Um, so it would be nice to get a little bit of rain around here. We're kind of down on that. But it's been a fantastic September, 5.2 degrees above normal. And 
uh, even though we get into cooler weather tomorrow and Tuesday, we'll still finish the month out with a, a pretty decent surplus temperature-wise. Yeah, I was looking at the uh, the chart that you sent uh, for the uh, next few days. Uh, um, it's the 8- to 14-day outlook. And the mm-hmm. e- eastern part of the country is all in red, and the western part of the country is all in blue. Yeah, and, and usually in between those areas is where you get most of your rainfall. And it still seems like the next 7 to 10 days, the rain is going to be primarily western high plains into the northern plains. So we're going to be on the eastern edge of that, um, you know, which is okay. It gives us some nice weather to deal with outside. But um, we can use a little bit of rain. Um, I think one of the maps I sent you had us only like about two inches, if, if maybe an inch and a half in parts of Cook County mm-hmm. uh, through the end of September. Um, and you can really see, you know, with some of the sunshine and warm weather we had early this week, there's been some stress on the lawns. But um, I, I'm coming to think, Mike, more and more that this is going to be one of the better fall foliage seasons we've had around here in a really long time. Uh, we had a really nice spring. It hasn't been too hot. We've had decent amounts of rainfall. Subsoil moisture is pretty good. Uh, and with the warm weather and hopefully some added rainfall, you know, the ground will, you know, the, the, the ground will basically stay kind of wet and warm. And, you know, trees like that this time of year. They, they, they work really hard now with, uh, you know, more, more, more darkness than light uh, to keep their greenery. Obviously, it's all due to photosynthesis. But um, overall, the pattern looks good for us from a standpoint of, I think, having, I think, one of the better, the better leaf-peeping seasons around here in quite some time. Well, we'll have to hold you uh, to that uh, prediction. Uh, Peggy and I are looking at some of these uh, photos you sent uh, from the Rockies. Oh, aren't they amazing? Uh, yeah, just to have uh, a snow on uh, September, you know, twenty something. Um, I think they had a really heavy early one last October too, out there. But yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, like... yeah, they, yeah. They they did, and and you notice when when you get snow around this time of the year, it's always very heavy and very wet. Um, so that means that there's usually a lot of water in the snow. Typically, once you get into the winter season, the water content's not as high. Uh, but I was looking at some. You know, some ground-level waters, and, you know, this is like an inch and a half, maybe two inches of water in some. They actually have flood warnings out for parts wow. of the of the Tetons, yeah. And I think this is the second snow now for, for Yellowstone Park. They had one about, uh, I think it was two weeks ago, so this is the second one. But, but more than anything, Mike, this is really good because last year the U.S. Forestry Service uh, spent $245 million on wildfire suppression, which is an enormously high amount of money, uh, and that's that's basically due to the fact that our urban wildlife interface, that's the UWI, uh, that's basically the area where you have a lot of people moving into, you know, uh, you know, along these you know kind of rural roads that lead to nowhere, and you got a house here and a house there, and you know, 20 years ago, um, that was either a didn't happen, b maybe not allowed due to you know local or community uh, enforcement or you know just bylaws and, and how they want to work things. Uh, from keeping the uh, area more, I guess, more for the for the animals, I guess is one way of saying it. Um, but whenever you, you have people living in areas that are more in the uh, wildlife interface, you have to spend money if there's a wildfire. And that has, been, that has been something that continues to go up. So far this year, it seems like the wildfires, even though we've had a lot of warm weather, um, it hasn't really kicked into gear compared to what we had last year. And that's a good thing. Um, even one of the hurricanes, I think it was... Um, uh, hurricane Payne, or actually became Tropical Storm Payne, uh, produced some very, very heavy rainfall in parts of eastern California 
New Mexico, and even into Arizona. Boy, I, I don't think I've ever seen temperatures only in the 70s before in parts of, of Phoenix, and that's what we had due to the clouds and the rain, and that acts as a wildfire suppression. So it's nice that we get these snows. It, it keeps the fire season short. It keeps it down, and more than anything, it allows to build up our resource and gives those firefighters a little bit of a break. So, so really a lot of good news on the weather front. It's not always bad. Ah, that's and you taught me something. Both Peggy and I are thinking UWI. I never. I thought yeah. that had to do with driving intoxicated, but that's something else. <laughs> yeah, it's the it's the urban wildlife interface, and uh, that continues to go up. And of course, um, I remember when I when I rent when I rented a house out in uh, Colorado a few years ago. Um, all of the new homes above a certain um, elevation uh, are now mandated to have metal roofs. Uh, this way, you don't allow some of the embers to ah. either either cause a fire mm-hmm. in your house or to jump from house to house. Uh, and that's that's a big deal. And some people are actually getting them retrofitted um, or sometimes ceramic roofs, which is incredibly expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, so, so all, all of these things that we kind of don't think about much here, um, in, in the good old Midwest, it's, it's, it's a big deal when you get out into those areas. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm glad there's, there's some good news. Why don't we uh, do a forecast here? Uh, so again, sunshine, the first part of the day looks great. Um, we'll get into some rain probably after about maybe the one o'clock or two o'clock time period. Um, there's a front that's beginning to show signs of becoming a little bit more energized. You notice this time of year, you don't get as warm as you do because the sun is now setting at 640 and rising at 650, which is really depressing. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. and, it, and, and the next time we have a, actually the sunset after 7 p.m. Uh, is March 16th. So we go a long time uh, without, without having that night or that evening sun. Uh, so, again, rain this evening, uh, probably ending before midnight and tomorrow. Uh, hold on to your hats. A very windy, very cool day, early morning temperatures in the mid-50s. Winds tomorrow probably gusting 30 miles an hour. Um, high temperature probably 65. It'll feel, like, feel a little bit cooler. So you get into one of those situations where you have summer one day and you really feel the autumn weather the next. Hmm. Um, wind lighting up a little bit on Tuesday, but still cool with mid-upper 60s. And then really Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday next week, um, beautiful. All three days, dry conditions. Uh, mid to upper 70s, and there's you know probably a couple of still days days still of hitting 80 degrees. So uh, as long as we can get it just right for the weekend, we're doing okay. But um, uh, in the short rain today, and much cooler tomorrow, Mike. Uh, tomorrow's interesting because I'm going to the Montrose Bird Sanctuary uh, around oh, nice. around noon. So I'm hoping the the uh, the windy weather doesn't preclude us from seeing some birds, but uh, they can handle uh, it. If they can handle it, I yeah, can handle it. Yeah, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's going to be, and, and particularly, well, the, the good news is that the wind is out of the west. If it was from the northeast, it would be a lot more difficult. Oh, sometimes, yeah. yeah. Sometimes, sometimes the west wind, you get a little bit protected by those buildings on Marine Drive. So yeah. hopefully that will work out for you. But once again, good job in promoting uh, that, that area. I worked in, the, in that spot for many years, building it back up, and hopefully it's as good as it was when I was there. Well, um, a dear friend of mine, uh, Hillary McAustin, is a – a volunteer there, so she's going to give us a little tour. So that I'm looking forward to uh, it. Yeah, that 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 sounds wonderful. And by the way, last week when I was down in Florida, Clearwater Beach, the Gulf of Mexico was 84 degrees, and I loved every degree of it. I was <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, Rick DeMaio, always a pleasure. I'm glad you're back. Thank. Oh, and you, I, you obviously had a good time last week, right? 
Yeah, I'll send you the pictures. <laughs> and, we, and we promise not to post them on our social media. No, you can. That's fine. You can. <laughs> okay, Rick. Right. Okay, talk to you next week. All right, okay, bye. Bye, Take Rick. care. Bye-bye. Okay, that wraps it up. Have we got anything that we've uh, missed before we uh, we get out of here? Um, Not a whole lot. I had, ex- I had the... Uh, Good experience of going to Grober Urban Farms first oh, that's right. inaugural yes. uh, graduation and celebration. It's um, an urban farm that started up in Evanston by David Grober on his family's property. And uh, Catherine Egan is one of the people from the Talking Farm who has really helped to get this agricultural program growing mm-hmm. in Evanston. So uh, that and that was last night. That so, was last night. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was uh, recovering from pumpkin. Pumpkin. The, the pumpkin, great pumpkin. Pumpkin. pumpkin yeah, pumpkin. <laughs> pumpkin. John, pumpkin. Uh, well, pumpkins with a Z is the way I was spelling <laughs> it for for a while. I think that's what we have to do. You know, there's other stuff that we could probably get to, but I think oh, yeah. really what we need to do is uh, get out of here. So thanks to all the folks. Who were on the show today, uh, George Janowick and Greg Slifka and Ron Cowgill and Chris Mest and Karen Rotan. Um, and um, it's nice to have uh, folks in studio. So, And the guest stars. Oh, and the guest star, the, the guest star, uh, Marshall Strawberries. Uh, and we're going to try to get them to you. We'll, we'll figure that out, all you folks who uh, have ordered Marshall Strawberries. Oh, well. At this point, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much. (laughs) 